latest episode of Rich and Weebo present the Local Artist Show. Today's guest is an award-winning writer, director, producer, and puppeteer. His work includes Josh and Todd, Animal Behavior, The Risley Brothers, and the feature-length award-winning puppet horror movie, Hey. He is also the man behind the scenes as editor extraordinaire of The Claws Corner, Real Talk, and the latest sensation to hit YouTube, that would be The Local Artist Show. Please welcome the founder of Elmwood Productions, who is currently celebrating their 20th anniversary. Wow. Happy anniversary, John. Happy anniversary. The man, the myth, the legend. In his own mind. John Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Steven Spielberg, but... <laughs> no, he's got more hair than me. <laughs> well, John, so great yeah. to have you on this show, because as I mentioned in the intro, you are the editor for The Claws Corner, which is the other show I do, and... Yep. You are so nice to do edit this show, which yeah. is greatly appreciated by me appreciate and Weevil. You, you definitely add You guys make shows. it easy for me to do it, so I appreciate uh, thank you. Guys. Well, I love the fact because you, I mean, I love interviewing people. I love talking to these interesting people, but you add that extra level to it. Like, mm. as Spinal Tap would say, you add, make it 11. <laughs> it goes to 11. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thank you. Well, I mean, you know, you got when, when you're doing this kind of stuff, it's got to stand out, too. There's so yeah. much right now. Yeah, exactly. There's because of the pandemic, and even before that, everyone was starting podcasts and YouTube shows and things like that. So, yeah, just a little extra to make them stand out, you know, make it pop. Yeah. And I think it does because I watch a lot of different shows on YouTube, and it it's basically just you know two guys talking back and forth. And after a while, I sort of lose interest. But with with what you add to it, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what's next. I can't wait. And I'm I'm I did the show, and I still want to see what's happening. Yeah. So let's talk about how you and I got together. I also yeah. host a show called Nutmeg Chatter on several radio stations in Connecticut, the main station being WAPJ in Torrington. You were the last interview before the pandemic hit. I think it was maybe late February or early March. It was you were the last interview that I could have in the studio. Yeah, we recorded it in February, like the yeah. last week or so of February, and it went up in early March, I think, right? Yeah. But it was like, yeah, it was, it was literally, I remember like we did the show. The morning host woman wanted me on as well afterwards because I had that screening coming up the end of the month and she wanted me on the week of the Darcy. Screening. Darcy, yes. She wanted me on the week of the screening. And I got home and she's like, Yeah, I'll email you in a couple of days. And a couple of days later, she's like, Yeah, this isn't happening. <laughs> I was like, No, no, no one's coming into the studio. I get it. Because it was like maybe within a week that the state started shutting down. I think it was like within a week. And how did you and but how did you and Weibo hook up? How did you guys hook up? Uh, I was on his show. He has a okay. show, public access show in Litchfield called City Views. Yep. Somebody reached out to me and said, Rich, do you want to promote your book? I'm like, you can stop at the word promote. I'm there. <laughs> I don't care what I have to promote. I will be there. And he and I became friends and we started working together because he had a show on WAPJ and it was called The Local Artist Show. And he had this idea. He wanted to do it on YouTube. And he goes, Rich, do you want to be a co-host? Never. I think you know, John, I don't like to say no. It's just there's no, so many. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he and I have been, we started this show probably about a month ago or so, and it's yeah, been going very well. Met a lot of great and interesting people. Mm. And John, I know you earlier today sent me some names of people that would be great yeah. for the show. So I do appreciate that because we and I always talk about, there's so much local talent out there that nobody wow. even knows of. And I want to, especially now we can have, I interviewed Ted Neely from Jesus Christ Superstar. I had compliments from the Netherlands. So it's worldwide show. I mean, with the, <laughs> with the web, it's, it's not just, all right, like when I was in radio, it's like, all right, well, maybe they can hear me in the next town over. Maybe they can hear me in Springfield if I'm lucky, if the wind's blowing the right way. Right. That's how, I mean, it's how we both do cable access, too. You don't, you can only get so far. Yeah. But 
you can share that onto YouTube as well, then the whole world can see it. Yeah. yeah. So you and I, we, you were on my show talking about Elmwood Productions, which we're going to talk about. It's a great company. You make movies with puppets, not only horror movies, you make comedies. It's, it's, it's great. Oh, comedy like is like our bread and butter. Horror is our next favorite thing, you know, yeah. that kind of, you know, horror, the horror movies will put us on the map internationally, which was kind of cool. Yeah. So what's, what's more popular with your audience, the horror or the family friendly comedies? Oh, the R-rated comedies. The PG-13 R-rated comedies are more popular as a whole with our crew, like Steve the Vampire and the Risley Brothers. And and then leaning into the R with like Jungle Man or, um, you know, the, the family-friendly one, Animal Behavior, Mike and I, Mike Finland, who plays Ripper in it, I play Tugger. We actually recorded a commentary this morning, which will be on YouTube. By the time this comes up, it'll already be on YouTube on Wednesday for the whole series for the 20th anniversary. And we were just talking about how like, it's our only super family friendly thing we've ever done is that those 12 episodes of that show. Yeah. And um, it's also one of those shows that we've had the most requests though, to do more with. So it's like, we've done some stuff that people are just like, Oh, that was cool. Thanks. Bye. And then we've done like Josh and Todd or head or animal behavior. People are always like, are you going to do more? Or Steve the vampire. People always ask us. Mm-hmm. So and Steve's a comedy. It's a PG 13 comedy. It sounds like a horror thing, but it's really more of a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about Steve vampire. Cause I love that character. Cause I grew up watching Elvira, Joe Bob Briggs and the people who don't know who they are, they're hosts and they make fun of the movies that they love. They're making, Oh, fun you're talking about graveyard Gill. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Graveyard Gill. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Graveyard Gill. So I love that character because it's sort of that's that what it type is. of vein. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I wanted to talk about you and I realized when we were doing the interview, we had the same taste in movies and other things. So that's why you and I started this whole YouTube channel when uh, the yeah, pandemic hit. Yeah. So we took advantage of the pandemic and we haven't stopped. So no. Yeah. no. I want to talk about Christmas Elmwood break production. was about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even then you're like, Rich, all right, I'll get one more episode up for you. I promise. <laughs> that was like the four hour episode of the Twilight Zone. You're like, all right. Oh, more. that's right. No. <laughs> That edit killed me. <laughs> that was the one that broke me, man. Like I was just because you know what it is. I love the Twilight Zone. I love the show. I want to hear all about Gene Roddenberry. Um, and it was just like, does it ever end? You know, <laughs> does this guy? Does this guy? I don't remember his name now. He's very sweet. Mark Dwidziak. Yeah, he just was like, does he ever stop talking? No, he does start talking about like well gene roddenberry did this but then he turned it into something like i know we're, we're all going to go on tangents is what it is but it would go on forever that's why you had four hours because he just yeah, did, i know oh. the, um oh god the uh the, the hogan's hero guy hmm. oh bob crane the bob crane episode that one had to be so long and that one was like for me as as somebody who doesn't know anything about bob crane I was, while editing it, I kept stopping and like researching more about Bob Crane's. It was so, they were so interesting. I mean, not that Wisniak wasn't interesting, but it was just, they stayed like on Crane the whole time. Yeah, yeah. His career, his life. And I learned so much in that one. So it was fun to edit that one. I know. That's what I love too. Cause like, just for me, interviewing these people, I learned a lot about Bob Crane, a lot about the Twilight Zone and everything else Mark had to talk about because he wrote books on so many different subjects. But if you want to check it out, we won't even talk about that. Just check out the Claws Corner on my channel, Rich Sear, edited by the one and only John Bristol. He definitely (laughs) adds a lot to it. I want to talk about you, though, uh, because Elmwood Productions. Do we have to? I mentioned you (laughs) are celebrating your 20th anniversary. We are. We we are in the midst of our 20th anniversary. Uh, Mike and I were even saying this this morning. Mike, yeah, I wish he was here now. It'd be funny to have him here, but... 
We, uh, our, we always say our 20th anniversary starts and ends in February. So we go from February to February as opposed to January to you know, December. We do, because we really became Elmwood Productions in a February. So we start then. And all year we're trying to do these little like celebrations. You know, with the pandemic, it's tougher. You can't really go out and do a lot of screenings or events. So we've been doing something every month on the 20th of the month. We put something on YouTube. Oh, we're doing trying to do something so far that's what we've been doing so we did um it started in january really because we did uh had premiered on youtube in january with ads then we did an uh, uh an event with the Connecticut guild of puppetry uh for animal behavior a screening with them that was going to invite type thing to join the guild or join their their zero zoom conversation to do it which was fun uh then february we did uh the 10th anniversary of our film josh and todd which was the first ever feature film we did so that was really fun to do like a new commentary with the actor who played uh, Josh, who's actually like an internationally known artist. And he only made one movie in his life and it was this with us. And uh, so him and I, we've been friends, you know, we were friends before the movie and we were still very, very good friends. So he came, we should get him on this show when he gets back. He's in, he's in the Caribbean right now doing a job, but he, uh, he, he, he was like, yeah, let's just, let's just do it. It was his idea. And I'm like, we should do this every month, but with a different show or movie. Yeah. And we had a blast because him and I hadn't talked about Josh and Todd in like four or five years because our lives are totally different worlds now from when that movie yeah. was made. And so just sitting there that night via Zoom watching the movie with him and just cracking up because it's like, remember when, that, remember when that happened? But yeah, we've been 20 years. I'm really happy. I'm what is here 20 years later. We're still going. And wow, it's good. When we lost a little bit more hair. <laughs> Look at me, John. Look at me. There we go. We're all is beautiful, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is looking pretty good too. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting there though, man. It's going you back. Sorry. Lean <laughs> <laughs> forward too much. We're making some glare, Rich. That's exactly. <laughs> That's why I always lean back like this. There you go. Lean on me. <laughs> <laughs> so where? How did you get your start in puppetry? I'm sure we'll go back to uh, Jim Henson. Was that your uh, oh, major yeah. influence? Mean, yeah. I was born in the mid '70s, so I'm of yeah. that original Sesame Street generation. Mm. You know, I was two years old when the Muppet Show started in '77, and it was you know this is when there was only four there were four channels on your local TV. You had your three networks and PBS. So to me, it was like oh, I saw Sesame Street five days a week, and the Muppet Show was on Sundays. You know, so that was like that was my introduction to what puppetry was. And you had your Captain Kangaroos, and you had but like and then puppetry puppet shows in schools and things like that, which they did a lot more of, I'm sure, back then than they do now even. And I just really like was really attracted to what a puppet was. I remember getting in trouble in kindergarten because I told other kids that the Muppets weren't real. I was already aware that they were made by somebody and they were, <laughs> my teacher was mad. You know, she was mad because I'm making the kids cry. She wasn't like mad, mad at me. Like, she couldn't be mad at me. I wasn't lying to these kids, but like I was breaking the allude and I was like, you didn't figure that out already? You, know? you also tell them Santa Claus didn't exist? <laughs> no, I knew better, I knew better. I have a whole story about that, though, uh, for another day. Uh, All right. We have to have a part two. <laughs> right? About how I found out. We'll do a Christmas special. Oh. And, uh, but, like, so I just really loved the form. And then as I was got older and got into art and got into comics and got into, like, really into films and movies, it was really, like, I look at the 80s films that I grew up watching, 70s and 80s films, and you forget how many of these movies had puppets, you know? And you think about it. Like, all the Star Wars movies had puppets. You know, the Muppet movies, the Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, you know, Every fantasy film in the, in the 70s and 80s was puppets. Like, even the first Jurassic Park was mostly puppets, you know, and we just don't think about that. Yoda was a puppet, you know, um, gremlins are puppets, you know, critters were puppets, like Chucky was a puppet, you know, it's like, 
I just really, really enjoyed that you could do anything with a puppet and get away with it too. That was definitely part of it. <laughs> well, you brought, brought up a great point because there's a movie I didn't get a chance to see yet. It played for one week in Stanford. It's called Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, you did? I actually did the Indiegogo for it and all that. I saw it two weeks ago on a Friday night, yeah. Okay, I didn't see that one because it didn't, but I did watch, it's called, um, let's see, um, How I Got, wait, let's see, 50 Years of Sunny Days, the big, um, Sesame Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. 50, 50 Years of Sunny So I was watching that, and the reason I brought that up, because you brought a great point, they did so many things with puppets that normal people would get mad at if they were doing like a regular sitcom or something, but people mm -hmm. were like, oh, it's a puppet, look how cute it is. Yep. But what I got mad was like, I did not realize, maybe, maybe at the time, because I they used to have all the... I was in um, third grade when we used to get in, go in the classroom, watch Sesame Street, all the third grade classes. And I never realized like how deep they would get into some issues. Like example, when uh, Mr. Hooper died, they talked about it with Big Bird and they talked about death. Yeah. And I was laughing because it was in the 90s when AIDS was prevalent and it still is, but I mean, like it was really big, it was brand new. And this puppet was talking about how she was born with AIDS because her mother Karen. had AIDS. And yeah. in Africa, they loved it. They said, oh man, we learned so much from it. America, like you had these right wing people like Jerry Falwell and Bill Wright. Yeah, oh my and in God, America, the character and in America, the character was never even part of the show. It was yeah. to Africa because of how big of an epidemic it is there and yeah. it's there, really, you know, like so yeah, so the fact it didn't even need to make the press in America, but because some people just want to hate for the sake to hate, unfortunately. Exactly. They're gonna find a way to hate anything that goes against their um, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, and I don't care, but they're going to go against anything that goes against their superior white agenda. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. And that's the so. guy, Jerry Falwell, superior white agenda. You know, yeah. I, I, a little bug just flew across my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, so, and I might get in trouble for the saying that, but it's true. And I'm not of a superior white agenda. You know, what no, I mean? neither am I. And we and both, I don't just, think you are either. No. <laughs> but so and that's what kills me is like these people made press out of the stupid out of this yeah. stupid, they made it a stupid thing in the press to get themselves views on tv and get their get their racist they're really their racist and fearful agenda out there and they use yeah. Sesame Street as their way to do it and that's that's kind of pitiful disgusting because yeah. I saw the clips and it was thoughtful. It was they put a lot of thought into what they were going to talk about, how they did it, how they addressed the issue it was yeah. great. It I didn't mean, talk down to kids. It wasn't condescending, but it, you you learned a lot and and it was great. Anything and everything Sesame Workshop does is so well researched before it even goes public. You know, like I don't know how long they were working on that before it hit the television originally in Africa even. But I guarantee you, it wasn't like, oh, let's do this. And two weeks later, they had it. It was a year in the works, I'm sure. You know? Well, there's another there's another thing you probably remember, but they were saying that a lot of people didn't see it, it was Snuffleupagus's parents were got divorced. Well, they and, never aired the episode. Yeah. The episode actually never aired. Yeah, they, they did it. They tested every episode before it hits TV, too. Yeah. They tested it, and they realized they didn't do it right. You know, that's smart. Okay, they did spend, I mean, a show like Sesame is a very expensive show to produce, you know, and uh, especially for public television. And uh, but so they scrapped all the those parts of the episode. It shot new things because it didn't work out. Later on, they did have more recently a divorced family in the show. Right. Having Buffy's parents get divorced didn't just uh, yeah, it never aired. Yeah, no, I, I saw the clip of it. There's clips of that. that. In the, yeah. Some of the documentaries they'll show clips, but the episode itself never actually aired. They talk about the street gang. Yeah.
Yeah, well, just like you, um, Jim Henson originally didn't want to work with puppets. I, from what I heard, like he wanted to, and I'm laughing because I know your history. I want you to tell my viewers, originally, you didn't want to make movies with puppets either. Why was no. that? No. Well, like, it's, it's, <laughs> Jim Henson wanted to be on television. He saw puppets yeah. his way in. That was, yeah. you know, his local TV station. He wanted to be on TV. He thought his local TV station was looking for puppeteers. So he made puppets and went, and it took over his whole career and he, and he did enjoy it he loved it that's why he kept doing it he could have dropped it at any time and but he didn't and me i was doing a lot of comic art and com and i love comic books i still you know i don't really read them anymore and they're busy making my own art and things like that but i uh i wanted to take one of the comics means some of my friends were coming up with and turn it into a movie and big puppet fan I already made a few puppets for fun things like that but nothing major nothing good and uh we uh we were going to take these comics and make these like short films out of them but none of us were actors and they were based on us, you know, but none of us were good looking enough to be on camera. And our, you know, that's big joke. We're too ugly to be on camera. And we were watching, it was around Christmas time, and we were watching Muppet Christmas Carol as a group. And I looked at one of my buddies, and I'm like, why don't we take that comic and do it with puppets? How hard can it be? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is that very hard. Famous, yeah, famous last words, how hard can it be? And then I spent three or four years really learning how to do you get the basics of the kind of puppetry I do before showing a puppet film to anybody, you know? What did you do to, you that said you just started making your own puppets. That was 97 that, that we had that conversation. And Elmwood Productions officially was 2001. So yeah, and in 2000, I started having puppets really being built that I was comfortable with, like, show, like showing my friends and things like that. But we didn't start filming until 2001. And none of that is available anywhere online. It's embarrassing. <laughs> no, you got to start somewhere. So, yeah. But how did you learn to make puppets? Did you just say one day, all right, let me get some felt. Let me get some glue. Yep. All right. I have uh, Steve the yep. Vampire. Really? I took, I, um, I, I, you know, you go to the library, you go to the local bookstore, yep. you buy books, which is the, one of the, I got a couple books on it. There's just one great book if you you know that was available in the early days of the internet that you could mail order from the guy who wrote the two guys who wrote it. Uh, Gray Seal Puppets is the company, and it was about foam puppet making. There were no other books about it, so I remember like you know printing out the order form at my friend's house because it was '97. He's only friend of the internet, filling it out, <laughs> you know, and the book came six weeks later or whatever, you know. Uh, then going out buying the materials, and then from there, really, you know reverse engineering some toys, reverse engineering some dolls like that were puppets and trying to figure it out from there. All Almost all self-taught. I've taken workshops now over the years and things like that, but originally up through 2004, um, when I built the first Steve the Vampire puppet, I was completely self-taught. And you actually teach classes too on how to build puppets. Occasionally, yeah, yeah. Um, pandemic obviously stopped that. I do like yeah. workshops. Uh, like simple puppets, because, you know, if you go too big, it turns in from a four hour workshop to a six week workshop. <laughs> <laughs> and most people, you don't want to see that long. <laughs> no, it's good enough for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> I understand. But yeah, that. I mean, but once once I think once the pandemic ends, uh, I'll probably do that again for people who are interested. I didn't do any online. A lot of people were like, oh, you do it online, you do it online. I was just like, everyone else is right now. That was the thing. And other people are better at it than me. Let them do it, you know. <laughs> They're just taking away precious airtime for me and Weibo. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you a funny story about the Muppets because I, my brothers and I were huge fans watching, you know, the Muppet show. And uh, they used to have this thing called Pigs in Space. Yes. Pigs in Space. My brother, he says, all right, I'm going to write. There was a writing contest. He came in second place. And his story was turkeys in space. It was exactly word for word. 
the episode that was on Monday night at 8 p.m. And my, even my brother said, doesn't anybody watch the Muppets? He had, they had no idea. He came in second place for turkeys in space. Plagiarize the Muppets. <laughs> I guess if you're going to plagiarize somebody, you know, aim for the top. And he did. <laughs> yeah, go for the best. But you know what's so great is the Muppet Show and Sesame Street, every, it became where it was like the in thing to be on that show. All these great guests. Stevie it Wonder was a, um, and other people. The, Sesame Street is still a cultural phenomenon like that, you know, where every major celebrity still wants to be on it because you have, you're have you there forever once you've done it. You know, yeah. Sesame Street reruns everything. They rerun bits. They have DVD, They have their YouTube channel. So if you're on, if, if you're Paul Simon, you did Sesame Street in 1975, Kids are still watching that now. Yeah, the Muppet Show was a that was that was the most watched television show in history. Wow! You know, for for one while, uh, it was the first Western show shown in Russia. Wow! You know, like this was the you know like so to be on the Muppet Show was internationally huge. You know, Sesame Street was just America forever. You know, but the Muppet Show blew up, and that's really cool for any guest star. That's why you watch the first season. There's so many British guest stars because the show was made in, in England. Oh. Hmm. We don't, they were not famous over here compared to over there, but they yeah. can, because they were in England, no one wanted to be on the Muppet show that first season because it was like, the Muppet show. And then it blew up and now, you, you know, Paul Simon wanted to be on it. So that's just alone wanted to be on it. Christopher Reeve wanted, you had all these A-list stars of the 70s and 80s who were, you know, were lining up. I think one of my favorite guest stars for that show is Buddy Rich versus Animal. The, the drums. Oh, yeah. Drum War. I love that. <laughs> they did it. The Muppets came back in 2015 with a new series. It's called The Muppets. About a late night talk show. Miss Piggy was hosting one. And they do a reenactment of that drum battle, but with Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Ah, I like I like him. It was kind of cool. They threw back to that. You know, I was like, all right, that's cool. You know. <laughs> I want to I want to get your opinion on this because I think it's stupid. But they're now that Disney bought out the Muppets, they have to put a disclaimer on there. I think it, here's let me give you my opinion, but then I want your opinion. All right. It's a children's show, and I love the Muppets for the same reason I love South Park. When you're watching a show, kids are laughing at it for one reason, adults are laughing at it for another reason. If the, not everybody is looking so deep into it where they have to say, "Oh, this is this is how people used to act in the '80s." It's we're not like that now. You know. What? My, my thought process is, is when you watch any television show now that's on TV, there is a little thing in the corner, a little oh, rating, yeah. a, you know, whatever it is, TVG, TVMA, TV, you know, and uh, if the Muppet Show came on this, now and it was new, it would have that as well. Yeah. Now, episode has it, you know, um, there is some, by modern terms, racially insensitive things. Mm. Um, nothing, nothing racist, just kind of bad jokes you know like nothing you know just some bad jokes and that's really and there's smoking things you wouldn't do now and, and drinking that you wouldn't do now necessarily in a kid show muppet show was never a kid show that was aimed at adults and kids watched it because it was on early enough and their parents let them it's true <laughs> i think people forget that and disney plus didn't forget that and putting that rating on it i think is almost putting that disclaimer is almost intelligent south park has a disclaimer I know, but that's why I was saying that's why I brought up South Park because that's yeah. another. I don't show. think it's. I don't think it's stupid. I think it's very. Um, it's unfortunate that now people's sense of humor is. That's are, the are, yeah. You know, there's there's too many warriors for everything. You know, like keyboard warriors. Who it, it goes there, back yeah. to the the, the the Jerry Follows where I was. We were calling you earlier. You know, a guy, a guy like that could turn around and be like, oh, well, you know, they did this religious thing in an old episode of Muppet Show and I didn't know in advance, so I'm offended, you know, or, or 
so it's it's easy it's easier to put a disclaimer on it and let people get mad about it for 20 minutes because most most people have forgotten now well, i know well i agree with you as a buddy of mine said when that hit the news it was a slow news week or they're trying to distract us from something way more important i i agree with that a thousand percent yeah and it also makes the show more popular because people want it, like similar to uh, Tipper Gore in the 80s with the PMRC. Yeah. We put a label on it. I think every band after a while said, put a label on my record. I want the notoriety. Yeah, I so, want, yeah. And people that might not have watched the Muppet Show on Disney Plus went back and go, why would they? I gotta find out now. And then they got, they started watching the show again, you know, which is cool. But then it goes back to even the Sesame Street with the whole controversy with Bert and Ernie. They're they're Muppets, you know. There's they're two Muppets. They're not human beings, and who cares what you know? What, they, here's here's my stance on the Bert and Ernie thing. One, they don't exist from the waist down. Exactly. <laughs> two, how many people in the seventies, eighties, nineties now in New York City live with a roommate? Exactly. That's normal. Three, if if you're a, a, a gay person and you watch Bert and Ernie and you relate to them as a gay couple, that's awesome. Yeah. If you're a straight person and you relate to Bert and Ernie as two buddies who drive each other crazy, that's awesome too. That'd be what it is for you, you know? For me, they're just, because I grew up with thinking of them as just roommates, because that was yeah. just, I don't know, I, what do you think, Weebo? What do you, I mean, roommates, you know, like. Weebo, the world wants to know what you think. <laughs> Roommates, roommate, yeah, like, I, that's just how we think of it. Because we're roommates, yes, we're straight. I never even thought straight. anything about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the yeah. Teletubbies, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like I never. Yeah, no, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so stupid to even make that an, an issue. Yeah, you know, in Sesame Street, you know, at some point we'll have the openly gay character. They're probably. I'm sure they're trying to figure that out. How do we come up with an openly gay Muppet? Yeah, and that's fine. Because if you watch the Muppets, there are clearly gay characters in the Muppets. Frank Oz has always said that Miss Piggy is a linebacker in drag. (laughs) So it's like there's that 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 give and take of how you portray a part, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and I love the fact he's still he's still doing it, isn't he? Frank Oz, he's not okay. He retired in early two thousands. Okay, he's still still movies, but he's not puppeteering for the Muppets or Sesame Street anymore. Yeah, he still work with Star Wars. Yeah, he's still Yoda. Okay, yeah. That's right. Well, when they use Yoda, he's still Yoda. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you were having this whole conversation about the Muppets because that was a huge inspiration to you, <laughs> and you started making movies because you were too ugly for the film. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, how did you um, get puppeteers? Did you get your friends together and say, "Let's yeah, do this," or did I, you actually audition? People? Blackmail people. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, I had like these couple of really, really close friends who, who were interested in it as well. We, you know. Um, one of my friends, Pete, Pete Luco, who's been with Elmo Press from day one, he was like, the day you said we're doing this, I was in for the ride. And he's like, and even if I didn't want to do it, I was like, well, I got to try it at least. Because really, we had that kind of friendship. He, he was in the car, so I was in the car. So he was, we're, he was in a certain type of music, I'm into that music, and he, I'm into this type of music. He, we, we've always been that kind of friendship where we help each other out and we mm-hmm. help each other into things. And, um, and so he was like, I'm in if you're in, let's just give, let's give it a shot. And if he didn't like it, he could leave. And that was, the, you know, that was the joke. If you don't want to do it anymore, just go. And 20 years later, he's still here with me as one of my main partners. And, and, and wow. it's not just in- 20 years, huh? What was that? 20 years, huh? 20 years, dude. I've been friends with him for 36. Wow. Known each other since we were 10. Yeah. So um, he, uh, yeah. So the, originally he was just asking my friends, hey, do you want to come help us out with this project? Do you want to help us out with this movie? 
And then other people would be like, oh, well, you're doing that? How can I help? And it was great. We, we've, the only time we've ever, we've auditioned twice, like done open auditions in the public twice. One was for Josh and Todd, because it was a feature film where we were using actors, because it's half actors, half puppets. And we didn't have actors. We had always puppeteers, but we didn't have actors. And the second time was for Head, because originally Head was going to be with actors and not puppets. And uh, when we decided to go the puppet route instead, we asked some of those actors we auditioned, if, hey, would you want to be a puppeteer? And a couple of them were like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I auditioned in the first place, hoping at some point I could puppeteer, too. So it worked out great. I think it's probably better to do it that way because you don't have to deal with egos as much because you know the person you get along and you can you, you're yeah. in sync and you work together well instead of bringing somebody from the outside. Well, this is how I do it. It's like well, yeah, you're... and you know, I mean, actors I would want that because we don't deal with actors a lot, you know. But yeah. with puppeteers, I'm grateful that the people that we brought in either were very green and wanted to learn or knew enough that we didn't have to overly train. So we've we you know it's a give and take, but it's it's been good. That's how we get people though. We just ask our friends or our friends ask us or somebody hears about us. I was like, oh my God, how do I get in? I get emails all the time. Hey, are you hiring? Hey, are you this or that? It's like, when we have a project and try to cast from within first, you know? So what was the first thing you did? I know you mentioned one that wasn't, we'll never see the light of day. What was the first, was it Josh and Todd was the first that was released? Um, the first thing that really kind of got attention was Steve the Vampire. That was uh, the first episode, the first four episodes really did pretty well for us bouncing around at different like little events to screen and things like that. Then they hit YouTube. And then we kept filming them. And then the next big project we did while filming Steve, we, we shot episodes of Steve over the course of six years. Off and on as we came up with them. We didn't have a series in mind. It was just, oh, do this episode. Oh, it's a new idea for Steve. Like, what can we have this little kid vampire get do now? You know, like what what and during that, we made Josh and Todd as well, which was actually in progress originally before we made Steve, we wrote it, and then we just never made it. We just we couldn't get the right cast. The puppets didn't look right, put on hold, and then finally we broke down. I was like, it's time. And we so Josh and Todd really was the first thing that kind of got us more national attention, though. You know, because it was a feature film, and people were more interested in that than five-minute web shows at that point. What did you do with that? Did you rent out theaters or send it to festivals? Um, Josh and Todd, we, um, I was involved with an art gallery in Southington called Paris and Plantsville. I was a resident artist there and we did the premiere there. That was the first screening. We did a weekend of premieres there and, um, the local press jumped on it. We did not expect that. We didn't even put out press releases. We just, we just knew that our friends wanted to come see it. Our family wanted to come see it. We'll just sell tickets and we'll see what happens. And, um, next thing you know, that, you know, we had articles in a couple different local papers and, we got the, the current contacted us after the fact they had their dates wrong, <laughs> but they covered us for animal behavior. They've covered us for head. They've covered us for Risley brothers science, which is great. I appreciate this. The big state paper actually doing stuff on us, but Josh and Todd from there kind of, we, um, we just did other screenings in other venues. We did Buttonwood tree a couple of years later and, and, um, Middletown we've done a, a Kineticon. We've screened it at Kineticon. You know, we bounced around it differently anywhere that, would let us set up our gear and show the movie, we would do it just for fun. And the same thing happened with Steve the Vampire. Once that was completed, we did the same thing at the gallery. We had this big opening and that was unbelievably huge. And then we just, anywhere we could go. I remember with Josh and Todd, we were even burning DVDs of it and literally just giving them away to people. Just burn DVD here, have a Josh and Todd DVD, just so people could see the movie out there. I love that, the do-it-yourself way. We're just oh, yeah. And that's the best way that you know word of mouth is the best publicity. Best we released promotion. it in 2011 
And in 2015, I had found somebody had ripped it to YouTube. And I got bootlegged. <laughs> somebody in like Ohio or Utah or something had, had bootlegged our movie onto YouTube. And we were going to put it on YouTube for free that year. So I contacted the guy and I'm like, dude, you got to take it down because we're putting it up. And he was like, I only put it up because no one knew about this movie. And he was like, don't sue me. I'm like, no, no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. And he's like, no, I'll take it down. I'm like, thanks. Like, he was so nice about it. I think we sent him a free head DVD or something. <laughs> right, that's good. Well, let's, let's talk about head because okay. I love that because you and I were discussing earlier. It's, we have the same taste in horror movies. And that is a uh, goes back to the old 80s horror movies such as Evil Dead. I would use, I'd say it's very uh, similar to Evil Dead where it has the, yeah, the first yeah, one's yeah. a little more serious. The second one had a little bit more comedy or a comedic element to it. But I think it's like, I love the fact because I love the old 80s horror movies like Friday the 13th, Evil Dead, where you get a bunch of kids, the like teenagers going that's to the exactly woods. What, what could we possibly for? go wrong? That That's exactly what we were going for. We, when I wrote it, um, they didn't originally write it for puppets. Um, we yeah. wanted to... Early on in the years of Elmwood, I'll say, I think it was four or five years, 2006, so it was four or five, five years in, I pitched to the crew that I wanted to make a horror. I'd watched Evil Dead 2 one night. I came home from work, uh, had a rough week, um, bottle of whiskey, six pack of beer and a pizza. Wow. <laughs> and just was like, I'm going to watch Evil Dead 2. I just had this mood. To, I, all my friends were like, let's go out. It's Friday night. I'm like, no, you guys have fun. I was, I was getting divorced. You know, I just want to sit at home and just... And, and I wanted to watch, I was going to watch Evil Dead and I couldn't find it, so I put Evil Dead 2. And when it was over, I'm like, how, how come we haven't tried this yet? Because it's not an expensive movie, either of them. You know, it's not. So I was like, why don't, and then I pitched it the following week and it was like, yeah, let's make a horror movie. And another kid that was with us had an idea. We ended up not making that movie after a few years. So it just a few, development and all that. But um, I went back to it in 2010, the idea of doing a horror movie. And in the course of like three weeks, I wrote the first draft. I think I wrote most of the first draft in two nights and then wrapped it up over the next couple of weeks. And it was still just going to be actors. And then from 2010 to 2014, we kept trying and trying. And try. Anytime we'd have downtime between the project, because we did a bunch of other stuff, um, went back to head. And the whole point was to make a movie like those movies, like fast, easy, cheap, teens in the woods, disturb something, act like idiots, you know, have sex, do drugs, and get killed. You know, there was, it was never meant to be a deep movie by any means. <laughs> Those are the most fun movies. I yeah. love them. Just sit back. The movie is supposed to be escapism. That's ex yeah, it's exactly that movie escape. is purest. There's no message in head. Yeah. Todd has a message of be yourself and be true to yourself. Yeah. Animal behavior is family first. You know, Risley Brothers is camaraderie and friendship is important. Everything kind of has a little bit of a message that we build in. Um, but head was just pure. Let's just. Let's have fun. All the horror stuff we kind of do doesn't really have a message other than entertainment. And I'm good with that. I'm good. <laughs> you, did you come up with the idea? Did you write it? Oh, yeah. I was um, the primary writer on There's two other credited writers, Joe Calvo and Brian Woodman. Joe was an actor in um, See the Vampire. He plays the vampire hunter. Okay. Josh and Todd, he's a cameo in Josh and Todd. And Brian was this other local writer and journalist who kept pitching, like, I want to write movies for you guys. I'm like, I don't need more writers. <laughs> but yeah. we weren't doing that. We decided we're not going to do it. Joe really, he was like my sounding board during those three weeks of writing it. He'd come over, read what I was written, give me notes. And 
he, he wrote, helped me write a few scenes. So you got to write a credit. And Brian, I threw it to him when we were done. So like, we decided we're not going to make the movie right now. It was like, we're not doing it. It's too much stuff gone. Here, see what you can do with this. And he gave me a draft back. He really earned his draft. Uh, in the end, I think we used like three lines of his, but I'm the type of guy that we used it. You're going to get credit. You know, I'm not, I'm not a jerk. So we gave him their credit. And he did, I mean, the lines he used were good. You know, so, I mean, that's why we used them. But um, it was mostly me. And it was mostly me just trying to hit those beats, those cliches. And if you watch it, it's full of those cliches. <laughs> if people want to check it out, I think it's on, still on YouTube. I watched it recently. You yeah, sort of have Kings the of making, Horror. the evolution of head. Yeah, Kings of Horror. It's on the Kings of Horror YouTube channel, which it's on our Elmo Productions YouTube. It's also on our head playlist and the yeah. Great Reveal playlist. So it's there. And you can go um, on... You can rent it on Amazon Prime. It's on Tubi TV for free as well. It's on a bunch of different apps. Our website has it all. How did you get that movie on all these different sites? We sold it. (laughs) (laughs) A distributor came. uh, We did the film festivals. Uh, We did put that one in the film festivals. Um, One of the producers in the film, this guy, Chris, he decided that he thought it was good enough for Fest, which blew us away. He was like, I'm going to get it out there. And he, he submitted it to a dozen or so festivals and we got into, I think all of them all over the world. And then we started doing awards and it was like, really for this movie? <laughs> Bad year. No, she... <laughs> and uh, Slow started news winning awards, and, but then no distributor contacted us. Nobody wanted to touch it. We were watching other movies get picked up and we were like, how come? And it's because our movie was like, it's not the kind of movie, you know, it's a puppet movie. You know, yep. you have to want to go see a puppet movie to see a puppet. Or somebody to tell you, you got to check this out. No matter how many awards it wins, if you're not just in puppets, you're not going to go see this movie, you know? Um, and then it was, so we put it out 2015, 16, 17. And then, yeah, then in 2017 or 18, I think it was 17, a distributor finally came to us and they were like, hey, we've been wanting to bug you guys forever about it. Are you interested still? We had two at the same time, actually. And it was like, oh, now it's, you know, now you want. <laughs> and we were just like, it was so over at that point. We're like, yeah, sure. Take it. Let's, let's make a deal. And we took the, 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 there was one deal that was more money. We didn't take that one because they would own it outright forever and they could do sequels and, think, and never reach out to us. They could do it all without us. And then the other deal was this company called Terror Films where their whole thing was, we were just licensing it from you guys for five years. Mm get it out on all these platforms we'll split the money a certain percentage you know so that was a better deal for us because we had to keep the actual rights you know they have the distribution rights digitally for five years and i i'm assuming they're probably going to extend it that's doing okay i think um but we could still do screenings we could still sell dvds we could still make sequels you know they don't own the rights to all of that so hey, John, you, similar you copyright yourself or you uh, somebody done it for you Oh, we do it all ourselves. Yeah, we just, it just, it's paperwork and a couple bucks, you know. Um, we do, we do occasionally have a lawyer look over stuff, of course, make sure you're doing things right. But yeah, we have the LLC, we have the, the we have two different actual businesses within Elmwood Productions, two official legal businesses within it that take care of all that. A lot of it's me. <laughs> Ricky Passmore, Ricky Passmore was my producer on head. He directed Risley, he directed Jungle Man. He directed a bunch of stuff, but he and he's our main editor on, the, on a lot of the, the shows too, and he does some of the legal stuff too. He's we talked about um, our love for the movie Evil Dead. There's yes, actually, a puppet named Bruce in that, that movie. Yes, and that would Head, be when I when I wrote Head, I wanted to have little references to different horror movies and different people I knew and things like that, and I made there a very 
Ash-esque character from Evil Dead. The first one was kind of a wuss. Uh, I made a very Ash-esque character in it, but we named him Bruce, as in Bruce Campbell. And when we were casting, we didn't care. Whoever plays it, plays it. It doesn't have to look like Bruce Campbell. But when you decide to do it with puppets, you can make a Bruce Campbell puppet. And that was what was cool. So the puppet looks like Bruce Campbell. Which is funny because in Ash versus Evil Dead, I think the last puppet. season they had a Bruce puppet. Telling you, man, they they knew about our puppet. Yeah, we met the ladies at a CT Horror Fest, and we had the puppet with us because we had a booth there one year. Yeah, one of them was texting Bruce Campbell pictures of the puppet. Uh, coincidence? Later, Ash versus I Evil Dead think starts. Not. I'm like, <laughs> I wonder. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's a, it's a small minor, minor victory for yourself. You know, right. we know we, it. Did, we made Bruce first. We made it Bruce exactly. <laughs> we still have that puppet. Most of those puppets did not survive the movie. They were so covered in blood and everything. They got gross and be thrown away. But we still have Bruce somewhere. <laughs> Question: Because that movie, most of it takes place in the woods. Where do you film all of your movies in Connecticut? Yeah, we've never filmed anywhere but Connecticut. That one was mostly Bethlehem, uh, a property in Bethlehem. Now, I know with most movies, not most movies, a lot of lower bunch of movies, they're always, they have to film and leave before the cops come because they don't have yeah. to. Oh. <laughs> and I'm guessing. I've done that. I've done that. I've I'm done guessing. That. Um, had we didn't have to do that with, because we had permission to be on the property. It was a buddy of ours. Dad owned a chunk of land. And he, the guys who worked on the film, Russ, he's one of the main guys from Elwood for years. You know, he was one who created Suit the Vampire with me and things like that. His dad owned a chunk of land and he let us film on it. Hmm. Funny is that tree with all the heads on it yes. was like three yards off his land on somebody else's land, but we didn't know because we were just wandering the property, put all the heads in the tree, covered them in blood, and we left them there for the whole filming. We never took them down. <laughs> we got back like two weeks later, and my buddy Russ, and he was like, so apparently that's not my dad's property, and the guy who owns it was not upset. He just thought it was like the funniest thing ever. It was like, it's cool, don't worry. Like So we were like, oh, <laughs> No, we were like waiting to have to take it down and reshoot, but now he was like, just it's fine. And now that tree is gone, apparently got struck by lightning. <laughs> um, did you ever have a time where you were filming a movie and the cops drove by and said, what the hell is going on? Yes. Uh, uh, when we were making Animal Behavior, we were shooting in downtown Plainville, Connecticut, um, train tracks. There's these train tracks that go right down Main Street. And um, we have this private property right off of it where my buddy Gabe, has a carousel restoration shop um, called WRF Designs. It's where Witch's Dungeons Museum is now. That property, we can use that parking lot pretty much whenever we want. We have permission from the, you know, the, the guy who owns Gabe, who has WRF Designs, the carousel restoration place. So we park there and we go over to the train tracks and we know we're trespassing on the train tracks. We know it. It's like nine o'clock at night. There's no one in downtown Plainville. It's like, we're gonna, 10 minutes we're out of here. And of course, as soon as I lay down, and we all get on the ground and the puppets are up and the lights are on. We see a squad car coming up Main Street. We're like, oh, <laughs> please, please don't let it see us. And then we all see it turn around. And there's a pizza place there, a pull in the pizza place parking lot, which faces the train tracks on the other side, you know? And this cop gets out and she's like, hey, what's going on? And she sees a bunch of grown bearded men with puppets. Because all she saw were the lights and people on train tracks, you know, she didn't realize... And I think she went from worried about teenagers causing trouble to what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And, uh, so we get up, we start talking to her and she's like, oh, this is fine. You know, she wasn't like, she's like, you guys aren't here causing trouble. Just be careful. But another cop pulls up because he sees that she's, she probably the radio and then she was stopping. And this guy gets out of the car. His hand is on his gun. 
He's ready. Yeah, really. Like you can't be here, and she's like, "I got, I got this under control." He's like, trying to be up it down. Exactly. Like, like we thought he was gonna try and tase us because I'm like standing next to the cop, like chit chatting for fun, like yeah, and like because she was so cool. Like the, the 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 woman was the woman officer was so cool, but this guy was just so macho bullshit, you know. Yeah, really. And then finally, she's like, you need to leave. So I'm guessing she, maybe she was a step above him or something. And he left. And she was like, guys, just wrap it up as quick as you can. She's like, I have to go from one of the town to the other and then come back this way. Just be gone when I get back. And we're like, <laughs> we were. It took us like five more minutes and we were out of there. But His name escapes me, but there's a director and writer. Um, Andy Kaufman was in one of his movies. I'm like, God told me to or God told him to. Yeah, and the reason I'm bringing his name up, but he had a lot of movies with Fred Williamson and they were doing shootouts at airports. But in, they in never... New York or in airports. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of the director's name. But I'd yeah. have to look up his name. I guess we can we can find out later during the editing phase. But I was <laughs> I saw a whole documentary on him and they were saying like nobody knew what was going on. Fred Williamson, who's yep. a, one of those 70s actors. A and football everybody... player, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Football player. Then he was an actor. That He's one of those guys that I don't know who he is. You see him like, oh, that guy. There's been a lot yeah. of low-budget movies. But, yeah, he's over there shooting, and people are and, – and it was funny. The director, we find out his name, but he said – Fred Williams like, everybody's freaking out. He's good. Film them. Film them. Yeah, they wanted the, yeah. the reaction shots. So it's it's funny. We've, but now- we we had filmed so much in Plainville. I lived in Plainville for a while. Um, the guy who co-directed Josh and Todd on the gym, he lives in Plainville still. He was living in Plainville then. So we would always be, like, wandering the streets of Plainville with puppets getting shots, and – the police usually would just drive by and laugh because it was only two or three or five of us. We weren't ever causing trouble. We still don't. We shot in Plainville two weeks ago. You know, like they're just, I think they're just, and I live right near Plainville. I think they're just so used to us now that it's just like, oh, it's those guys. You know, <laughs> we shot in their lockup for Josh and Todd in the police oh, really? department. There's a scene where the characters get arrested and we actually shot them an email like, hey, can we use your, uh, one of your jail cells? And uh, they said, yes. So I think it's a good thing. Is you, yeah. you're, not, you're not out at midnight, you know, destroying cars or stealing things. Right, right? yeah, you know, we're not. So it's a good thing. We're not drug addicts causing trouble in the streets and playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just guys with weird puppets. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, want, I know this story, but I want you to tell my viewers, I, I love this. You filmed something, I'm not sure what movie it was, in a rental house in Plainville. Oh, Yes. <laughs> And the woman who was going to come rent it showed up. We uh, we made this short film called Christmas Wishes. It's a horror it. short. It's a Graveyard Gill horror short. A Graveyard Gill host had, and he hosts Jungle Man. He hosts, you know, the, all the horror shorts we do. He's kind of like our Elvira, like we were talking about before, the ghoul. Yeah. We did one about this guy who gets uh, a misdelivered Christmas package of a possessed doll that tries to kill him. And it's all puppets, and we're shooting it, and we and we, we need to find a place to shoot because none of us wanted to use our own houses for it. My place had been used for animal behavior already. We didn't want to look the same. And so it was like, what are we going to do here? And we found this place on Craigslist. The guy was looking to rent, so we asked him. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, you can rent it for a day. I think we gave him, like, 200 bucks for the morning, something crazy. And I didn't even, maybe it was 80 bucks. I don't remember. But he said, just as long as you clean up when you're done, it's cool. The day we get there, he's like, hey, how long do you think this is going to be? Because I have a woman coming to look at the place later today. We're like, give us like four hours. And he's like, okay, great. We'll be here by, by two or one or whatever it was. And she shows up like two hours early. With <laughs> her kids to see this apartment, this like the house apartment thing. And we're like in this house and there's blood on the floor, bloody puppets. There's a puppet with a knife, this little demon doll. <laughs> Knife, like stabbing 
And the woman just lets herself in. Like the door was closed. Like she just doesn't even wait to find the guy whose house, wait for him to show up. She <laughs> noise. So she's just, oh, he must be in there cleaning or setting things up. Walks in, sees it, and we all like freeze and like because <laughs> this has got to look like a snuff film, you know. And she just started laughing. Like she was she was like, What is going on? And we're like, Oh, we're, we didn't expect you here so soon. And she's like, Oh, it's cool. And then the guy comes running because he lived right in front of me at a house in front of it, in the same property. He comes running. What are you doing here so early? This and that. And she's like, what are they doing? He's like, they're making a movie. She's like, that's great. Like she was just like, not, but we were felt so bad for the kids because I don't know what they thought. I don't know. You know, I don't know. And the kids weren't like little, little. They were like eight, nine, you know, but still it was like, why are they killing the Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't kill Kermit, did they, mommy? Right. Um, <laughs> that's funny. See, at that age, I know the movies that I was watching when I was eight or nine. I'd be like, yeah, we're buying this house, mom. I don't care. I want to live here. Right. I, would I, want, love it. I want to see this movie. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that story. And you said, where can people find that? It's also on YouTube. That one's on YouTube. There's a uh, on Elmo Productions YouTube channel. There's a whole Graveyard Guild playlist of all the Graveyard Guild related stuff. You are Graveyard Guild. I play Graveyard Guild. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. How many puppeteers do you have now? Just about 10 of us. Okay. Uh, we all multitask. Some of us are also writers, some are producers. Uh, some of us do like the audio engineering. We all kind of do different things. But it's kind of one of those things if you show up, you're going to get a puppet put on your hand, even if you <laughs> you might, you'll be a background character if nothing. <laughs> um, and we have some other people. We have like an auxiliary group too that we reach out to when we need extra people. You know, so we try to bring people back that we get along with and things like that. What is the hardest thing? of filming a puppet like as you're trying to film this and you're you're behind watching a monitor you're yep. filming yeah what you've is the been there you've done it the hard, i mean yeah. you got your arm up over your head you're in yeah. an uncomfortable position on the ground your head has to be like this or like this you still have to speak there's a tv down on the ground in front of you that shows you what the camera can see it, it's it's so much i mean like if you're i know a Weebo's a musician and there's so many things you have to do mm. it just becomes natural but until it's natural it's just the hardest, almost awkward thing in the world. Um, and even then, you know, you look at the camera, when I turn my hand to my right, <laughs> it's left on the screen. <laughs> Get used to that is complete opposite. Mm. The characters will look at each other and, and chat. It, it, the hardest part really is the group shots, I would say, making sure nobody's heads pop in, no arm is sticking out from under the puppet. <laughs> you know, like those, those are the hardest shots. Um, for me personally, the hardest thing is memorizing my lines. <laughs> I write half the stuff. <laughs> Can you have the lines on the floor while you're doing Always. this? Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. Every TV nice. show, every movie, everyone's got their lines everywhere. Like there's no, people don't, there's no such thing as off book. You know, that's, a, that's a theater thing, you know? Well, I think um, it's funny, Mar going back to Marlon Brando, he cannot remember his lines at all. He would have them on the- uh, Q-tips. The, the Q-tip and then the wall. Like Q-tips, yeah. Q-cards, yeah. Q-cards, yeah, Q-cards. But some somebody would have them like on the person when I couldn't see, yeah. they'd have them on the wall, in the back. So yeah. he would always look, <laughs> I think, you know what, hey, whatever. You, the funniest story is Ian Gillen from Black Sabbath. He could not learn the Ozzy songs. We're talking about music, music too. Yeah. But so he says, I just can't get it because it doesn't have like, there's no cohesiveness to it. He goes, I did, it has no story to it. So I said, all right, I'm going to put all the lyrics on the bottom. And he didn't realize that they're going to have um the, the the smoke, the, uh was it the gas? Like, you know, when the beginning yeah. of the concert, um, dry gas, I guess. Yeah. So the, the, he, says the, he couldn't see. So he started pretending like the middle of the he started banging his head, going to the ground. 
general so gathered in there. <laughs> Masses. <laughs> but yeah, whatever gets you through, because I know. Whatever, it's, yeah, you know, like. It worked. I was in plays. And one time I had a line and I just completely forgot where I was. Oh. And they're waiting for them. They're waiting for me. They're waiting for me. And then it just came to me and I said, all right, I'm done. Yep. But yeah. I mean, I've done, I've done a little bit of theater when I was younger and things like that. And I would, I mean, inevitably I would always forget a line, you know, like it's just, it is what it is. Uh, and I just go with it, you know, like make mm -hmm. it up or remember it or, you know, say when you're playing in an instrument, you forget where you're at. You forget. Yep. You forget. Add on. Go and just power through the best you can. Yep. Um, sometimes the best how many people won't even notice sometimes too you know yeah they're so into whatever else is happening or they don't they've never seen it or heard it or it's just your interpretation you know <laughs> yeah. no i always say that too i said you're the only one who knows you made a mistake so just keep on going with whatever you're doing but sometimes the best lines and movies come from not remembering it and then it, you improvise something like oh, yep. that's even better than what yep so I, 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 one of my favorite things about the Josh and Todd movie is at the end we have outtakes as the credits are rolling. Yeah, that cuts back and forth to like us goofing off and screwing up our lines. And one of my favorite ones, <laughs> one where Eric is Eric who plays Josh is talking to his soon to be ex girlfriend in the movie, or is it ex girlfriend? Oh, I don't know. The the girlfriend that he's having struggles with throughout the film. And she yells at him and he yells back and he goes, you know what? You know what? I don't know my line. And it's just one of those moments where it's just like, and literally I can remember when we were shooting it, there, there was a kitchen table like next to them and his notebook of his script was open on the kitchen table. And he <laughs> turned and started looking at it because <laughs> it was just out of the shot. You couldn't see it, but if you know, it's yeah. there, oh, he's looking at his script now. <laughs> That's right. Well, right before the pandemic hit, you were going to have a premiere of Head in Hartford. Yeah, has that been we rescheduled? We were going to do a fifth anniversary screening at uh, CT Improv in Hartford, the Improv Comedy Theater, hmm. and it is rescheduled. It will now be in honor of Elma's 20th anniversary instead of the fifth anniversary we've had, and it's going to be in October. I think October second. Tickets aren't on sale again yet, but if you are watching this and you have tickets from the previous show, they are valid for the the, the rescheduled date. And I've been there before for several shows. It's a great place. Great Check spot. Great people. I'm really excited to be screening it there. Yeah. And we're making a new movie now, finally, too, which is nice. Oh. What's that going to be? Bernice 2 is the name of it. Um, a little bit about it, Rich. Yeah, it's um, a sketch comedy film. It's like Saturday Night Live, Amazon Women on the Moon, uh, Kentucky Fried Movie. Think, yes. Um, those type of movies, but with puppets, of course. And it's going to be PG-13. Uh, we decided our first two movies we made that were feature films were both R. So we wanted to not tone it down because it's still wacky and weird but we're not having the f-bombs and things like that <laughs> but it's um it's so it, but it's all just skits that have these two characters that appear in every skit some of them are you know completely absurd and wacky some of the skits are more subtle and sweet and nice um there's a couple of musical moments which is kind of cool something we've never really done before uh, we've done music videos before um so we're using some of that kind of technique in the film too. So it's going to be, it could be an hour, it could be 90 minutes. We're not really sure how it's going to end up um, the length, but it's going to be one of our weirdest things we've ever done. And I'm Bernice should be out in the fall. fall. And people can find that in your YouTube channel. Uh, it won't be on YouTube right away. Um, we're going to do the film festivals and things okay. like that. And um, we're going to do some screenings though. We'll have events. We're going to do what, we're going to do an online screening the week that it premieres. We're setting that up with a, a group right now that have a streaming network. So they're going to do an online event for it. But um, 
Yeah, and we'll be selling the DVDs, all that kind of stuff, but we're gonna try and get it into some festivals if we we're half that happy with it. Uh, and then we'll end up on YouTube or somewhere else. Yeah. You're saying Bernice two, was there a Bernice one or is that just a play on words? It's, it yes, there is a Bernice one, but it's completely unrelated. Okay. Bernice was this funny short film that Mike and I from Elwood made um, just to be goofy one day. And it's really the two of us, mostly him, just running around saying the name Bernice. And <laughs> it's silly. We're making fun of art films is what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a scene where the two of us spit water into his faces in slow motion. Mm -hmm. Stupid. It was just us being goofy on like a, a Wednesday afternoon. And it hit YouTube on our channel. People thought it was hilarious. So when we went to make this, we had a different title for it originally. But we didn't want to call it that anymore. Um, it was somebody's name. And, and we were just like, eh, it doesn't work anymore. And this guy, Rich, who works with us, was like, why don't we call it Bernice too? As in Bernice as well. Like Bernice. Yeah. T-O-O. If you call it Bernice... Because you already had this other thing called Bernice. It would make no sense that these both things are called Bernice. And I'm like, why don't we call it Bernice 2? Because it's not Bernice part 2. It's Bernice comma T-O-O, as if Bernice is also there. Yeah. So Bernice 2. And we found a way to work the name Bernice into the film, too, which works out great. So, Any aspiring puppeteers? Because I know how hard it is. I've seen you work. I've seen your uh, other puppeteers work. What is, the, to make the puppet look natural as they're talking, what do you recommend? Because I know you told me it has something to do with the thumb. A lot of it has to do with the thumb, dropping the thumb down. You know, a lot of people want to put a puppet on and just open yeah. the mouth as wide as they can all the time. But when you talk, your head doesn't go backwards. You know, your jaw goes down and your head moves. Like, so you want to have the head go forward as they're saying things or pull back or turn. And so the key though, with step one is getting that thumb used to going down. And some puppets are, they're not designed to do that easily. So the head, the mouth will go up. But you got the eyes. Make sure the eyes are still looking where they're supposed to look as the mouth goes up. And then you'll never lose that eye contact with whatever and that realism doesn't break. That's the first the first lesson to me for this style of puppetry, the hand style of puppetry. Yeah. Did you learn that on your own doing it in the mirror or did you? Did uh, you yeah, doing it in the mirror, doing it with video cameras, doing it in the mirror, um, staring at the puppet while talking, watching other puppetry growing up and all that. I kind of put that together. You know, so, and there's so many people now on YouTube who do puppetry tutorials and all that. So it's like. That's what we and I talked about that. There's anything you want to learn, just type it in on YouTube and you can yeah, find somebody that's going to teach you how to do it. So I think back to like when I was learning how to build puppets and I, I mean, YouTube didn't even exist when I first started in early, the late nineties and even into the early two thousands, there was nothing on YouTube for this kind of stuff. And now, I mean, I, I think it's great because I want, more people that do puppetry to be better because there's so much bad puppetry out there and it makes everyone look bad, makes everyone think it's cheap. You know, that's with any kind of art, any kind of music. When people are doing it poorly and playing themselves off as professionals, it makes everyone look bad. Exactly. So I love the fact that there's these people out there that are trying to show you how to do it better and do it right so everyone can be elevated to a better level, you know? Similar to what you said earlier about making the claws corner and the local artist show stand out it's like with you you're you put so much work and so much effort into it and you could Thanks. see the difference between that and say somebody just says hey my name is rich <laughs> so <laughs> there's a there's a huge difference and uh maybe some people might look at like a bad video and say eh, i don't want to watch this anymore but more and more people are like you know what this is nothing like what i saw over there and yeah. obviously it's worth it's funny we had this um i don't remember who it was, it was somebody on facebook or something just messaged me out of the blue and he was just like, uh, he's a puppeteer as well. 
And he was like, hey, man, I, I stumbled upon your stuff like four or five years ago, this and that. And he's like, I, you guys are legit. <laughs> and that's how he said, and I'm like, well, thanks. You know, like that's a compliment. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking about all these other people out there and like, you guys are legit. It's like, thanks. That's what we're trying to be. <laughs> yeah. And you're definitely succeeding because um, Head came out several years ago. So it's going to be with the fifth anniversary set. It'll six be years. It was six years in March. It was five years last year when we first met. Six years in March it came out. Yeah. Now you're working on a sequel. Which is weird. Two sequels. There's there's two sequels in the works. Um, yeah. I'm not giving anything away. We're not really, you know, like as far as the fact that we want to do these things. Yeah. Um, they're two very different movies, which is kind of the point that just take place in that world of Head. Uh, the second one, part two, is more of um, the supernatural thriller. You know, it's still the scarecrow guy trying to kill people, but it gets more into the backstory, things like that. Um, and part three is your completely balls to the wall gore fest. That, you know, those, we want to make them so different from the first one that you're getting a different experience with each movie. Just the same type of or same killer, you know, like, and uh, I'm Rich, you're going to be helping us out with part three, which is exciting because I'm a fan of your writing and we want you to help out. Rick Corbo is another guy that we work with who's a writer and he's been a puppeteer and he wrote an episode of Risley. He wrote Christmas Wishes. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a good horror writer too. And he's, he did the, he wrote Head 2. And it was, so I know he's still working on a draft. We're, this is next year, maybe the year after. I'm hoping next year we start shooting them. I know that the they're slowly uh, lifting restrictions. Have you started filming again? Yeah, we were filming. Um, we shot this music video that just came out this past week for a band called Sergeant Skagnetti. Um, the Cultivation is the song. We're using some of that footage for Bernice too, as well. So we were shoot. We shot privately in a private area for some of it, but even last weekend we were out, or the weekend before we were out in Plainville, Forestville, shooting which was great. And um, this week we really are going to start hammering down the rest of the schedule. We all got our shots. <laughs> I got my Johnson and Johnson one and done. Nice. So I'm, I'm happy. Has anybody ever said, John, I want you for one of my kids parties. Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. I don't do that. <laughs> you know, I looked into it at one point and the amount of money you make doing kids parties, you have to make that your living. Yeah. You know? I wouldn't have time to do the films. I wouldn't have time to have a day job half the time because I'd be hustling so hard to do birthday parties every weekend. It's not really what I want to do. I don't really like doing live puppetry anyways. I like doing film. Um, we've done a couple live shows here and there, usually as favors for friends, you know, um, and they're usually not kid shows. We usually bring one of our things and turn it into a live show or something. We have this one character, Johnny Sojai, with his stand-up comedy. We've had him pop up at like burlesque shows to help host and things like that. Um, which is kind of fun, you know, like, cause he's that kind of, he's the, he's the, he's like a, a drunken comedian from the sixties, you know, that's just I love it. <laughs> so, and he'll be in Bernie's too as well. He's in Josh and Todd. He's actually one of the characters of Josh and Todd, but um, we don't do a whole lot of live stuff in the birthday party thing. It's just, I mean, I've heard horror stories from people. Everybody's who's a clown and he's always telling me how like half the time he gets there and the show's over and the parents are like, I'm not paying you. Well, we have a contract and they're like, yeah, I'll give you this much instead. And it's like, you know, it's like not worth it. I'd be breaking things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not, I'm not paying for that. I'm paying yeah. for this. Oh, okay. <laughs> then I'm gonna smash your window. No, I, I don't do that. that. But you know, like you know, like so it's like because they they you know like all of a sudden the, the expense is real, you know. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Tell me I, about I should, oh, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was just saying, actually, so it's just, it was never really my interest anyways, was to really get into the live poetry thing. I prefer that you stick with films. I love the films Thank you come you. out with. Tell me about Ask the Doctor. Oh, Ask the Doctor. Yeah, the doctor is in Ask the Doctor, depending on what day of the week it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, essentially a call-in show, but we don't actually take calls. Um, we have this puppet, the doctor. He's based on a, uh, this awesome guy that we call the doctor in real life. He's like, you know, one of my spiritual advisors. And we have this puppet, the Dr. Mike, and he has his uh, assistant, Eugene, who's a monster, and his sexy nurse who doesn't have a name. <laughs> and he dishes out horrible advice. And what we have is we have people email us questions for the doc. And then we perform the question with a puppet, and then the doc gives the awful advice. Episode one is up now. Episode two and three are shot. Uh, we have like a special edition of how to wear your mask properly that we put up earlier this year. Uh, we'll be putting the other ones out more, pretty soon, I hope, probably in the next like month or so. I hope that episode two will hit, and then episode three. And they, it, if people want to email Doc questions, it's doc at onwithproductions.com. And if you use the question, if we use your question, we send everybody a T-shirt, too. You get an Onwood Productions T-shirt. Oh, all right. Yeah. There was last summer, you, uh, you had we me had doing shoot slow them. motion. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever use Came that? over one night, and we put a puppet on your hand, yeah. <laughs> First and only time. So yeah, for now. <laughs> for now, exactly. No, I'm I'm not giving up. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. Uh, did you ever use that clip? Because I know you were talking about how you were going to use that. I wasn't sure if it came out yet. It wasn't in the first episode because that that I think that's in the second or third. So yeah, okay. yeah, you'll you'll know. Okay. Well, oh yeah, <laughs> I will see the update. I'm sure. I'll be telling oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we also uh, besides this is why I have so much respect for you because you're you're busy writing your own movies, directing your own movies, doing puppets, but you also work a full time job and you're editing all, the, all these other shows. <laughs> what do you do for fun? <laughs> I don't. This is my fun. You know. Yeah. I I love what I do. I love building the puppets. I love you know making the movies. You know, my it's my friends. It's my family. You know, these guys are my family. Um, and that's really, this is, this is my, I mean, I love being outdoors, all that kind of stuff. And I love sitting by fire. I love going camping. I mean, I do too, but when I think of what I'm going to do to have fun today, it's usually creating something or being part of creating something. So some yeah, people might get, some people might get this reference. It reminds me of the movie's tourist trap. I don't know if you saw it with Chuck Connors. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you like me? Yeah. All the uh, mannequins, that's oh. you and your puppets. Oh. Oh. <laughs> But what's funny is like people expect to come to my house and see like a thousand puppets in my house. Yeah. I might have one. Yeah. I might be working on it that day, so I'm sewing, or I might like right now I know in my living room I have a puppet of my cat. So I was harassing my cat with it. You know? <laughs> so it's still in the living room, but it's not like outreach like in a basket. You know, I probably should put it away because we're gonna use it for animal behavior. But um, you know, because we're doing a second series of that. And uh, but um yeah, my house isn't full of puppets. I have a whole studio for that, you know. So I think I have like a Kermit the Frog toy in my living room too, like a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in my office right now, and I have no puppets in here. I have a, a foam head from the start of a puppet in here, and that's it, you know. Keep all your friends locked away. Yes, yes. They're in big storage bins, and they're safe and quiet. <laughs> well, we talked about how you and I started doing a show called Real Talk. That's another yeah. show that we, we haven't done one in a while. I think that... We, we last one we did was Head. Last one we did was, yeah, your movie Head. It was done probably like how many months ago? It was, I think, I July. August. I know you're saying July, yeah. but I feel like it was August or September. Maybe it's because it went up in October. Maybe. Yeah. But either either way, it's been a while. And I think that, so Weibo, I'm going to ask you, 
because we have we, um, we can have viewers when they're watching on YouTube tell us what movies they want us to talk about. For you, what movie would you like John and I to talk about? We we take a, we can we also do series. We did the whole Phantasm series. We did the, all the movie, the things, the, the prequel, the original, and the uh, Jack Carpenter version. Is there any movie that you'd love for us to talk about? Um, surprise me. So I like it. <laughs> like I know, I know you were saying you want to get Nikki on to talk about Jurassic Park. Nikki's one of my puppeteers. Yeah, she well, she contacted me because she knows that you and I do the show. Yeah, she's, she's obsessed with that love, movie. Yes, and it's funny because I I was over your house a couple months in the summer. We were watching Phantasm. That's right. Oh, yeah, this week she contacted. She was talking to me about that, and then maybe about a month ago, she goes, "Rich, I still want to do that." And she has this whole thing where she wants to talk about the movie plus the history of dinosaurs. I mean, yeah, you're right; she's really into it. Oh yeah, she's and I said because she loves our show, Real Talk, and she said yeah, she wants me to do the Jurassic Park one with you, and I started laughing, and she's like, "Wow, I'm like I've seen the movie once." I know. I I've seen it twice. I've seen and I've only seen the first two sequels. I've just not into. I love Spielberg. I thought Jurassic Park was great. I'm just not. I'm the same way. I, I think the movie's good, but out of all the Spielberg movies, it's definitely not my favorite. And I've seen it probably one more time than you. But I will do the show, and <laughs> I, I'll have to watch it one more time just to get, so I get an idea. I'll but come in and introduce it, and then I'll leave and let you guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John. Yeah. What is Real Talk? Real Talk is this uh, thing where Rich and I uh, do what we're doing now, essentially, but instead of just free-forming about art, uh, we, we go over the history of a film that we enjoy. We talk about why, and we don't really go into like the depths of all like the the of a movie making. We kind of go about why we like it, why why we're attracted to it, what we what we want to see from it, and what we got out of it, which is kind of cool. It's not just your typical. A lot of these like YouTube talk shows that people is they're just kind of like rehashing. Oh, this is my critique of the film. What we're talking about. Oh man, my favorite scene was this, and I have an action figure from that scene. You know, like just. out about it a little bit differently it's fun and then so like like the thing one is one of my favorites because um when we when the whole thing was done and i was editing it i found that there was another version of the thing we didn't even talk about you know the looney there's looney tunes did a remake oh do you have a copyright of that uh sort of it's <laughs> it's not registered but the show is copyrighted yeah <laughs> rich, you like that rich like it's, it's copyrighted to rich though it's copyrighted to claus corners so. <laughs> exactly so i don't own that one i'm, I'm just a co-host oh, okay <laughs> there, i i go to different horror movie convention you talked about um the connecticut horror fest i go to chiller this chiller has been gone for the last like, year and a half they're starting it back up in october richard mazer is going to be there oh i want to cool. i want to talk to him and who knows? I want to see if I can get him on the show. I'm just going to ask him. Show. Get him on, never know. Get him on real. Uh, get him on Claus Corner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first interview that I ever did, and this is how Claus Corner started, was that you and I did an interview with Reggie Bannister from Phantasm, and that started the whole. Yeah. And I've gotten so many great reviews about that. Was interview. that a real talk episode or a Claus Corner? Real talk. Okay. That was, was, that was real, real talk because we that were was the third episode, episode right? Yep, third episode where we talked about the Phantasm series. We got Reggie, and we're going back and forth. And now I know what's going on because, unfortunately, he has Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, which I feel so bad about. But yeah. I think we were probably one of the last interviews that he did. He did, Because he yeah. was just getting – and we, first I thought he was blowing us off, but then I realized his wife was just protecting him, and she was on the show. But it was really, if you want to check it out, it's on my YouTube channel, Real Talk. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job through the whole interview, though. I mean, he, he really did. 
but every now and then you could you just went off somewhere else and it was but it was you know what i think about it when he started like like singing to us and all that I'm like that was just him going off but he stayed there he just didn't he didn't get up and walk away he, did, he came back and it's like oh that makes so much sense now what a sweet guy he's a great guy i've met him several times and yeah. it was so so great i mean to start off the show with the the whole series with reggie was a, a yeah. great honor for me and i've had people say that Rich, I, I love this show. This is like one of my favorite podcasts. It was all from watching that interview. Nice. So I think my my for you, my I think my favorite episode of Claw's Corner that you you've done so far is probably Ted Neely. Oh yes, Ted Neely plays Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ Superstar the movie. Yeah, he is one of the most down earth, nicest, genuine people, and I love cool. the fact that yeah, he he was so excited to be on the show, and he's so like he was wow i'm amazed he was just so happy that like you know i did my homework and he loved the edited version i talked to him a little yeah. bit after it he, he was, was so happy he was, he was so sharing cool. it with everybody that's awesome that yes. one and uh and i mean this is i mean this is your fourth episode of the artist the, the local artist show but i i love your guys interview with amy amy smith great i never oh, even amy. heard of her that's weibo introduced me to her and i'm so glad he did because she is so multi-talented has has her you know, do her hands in so many different projects, and she's yeah, good at Amy, all of them. She's busy. I've known Amy. Yeah, I've known Amy for years. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Through the art world, kind of like probably Weibo met her too through the art community and all that. And she. She said she she you helped her build a puppet. She said. Did I? So, so yes, I did. Yes, via the, via the internet, she was building puppets with her uh, for her nephew, I believe, and she kept coming to me for advice. But I knew her before all that. Like that was just like, um, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The, the art gallery at Paris and Plantsville when I used to be work when I was a resident artist there and working there and she was involved in some of the shows there and then I'd bump into her here and there in different art things and just we she's just such a cool person I, I totally adore her she's an inspiration you know yeah, like, what's so infectious about her is her enthusiasm and her dedication and her she just is so excited about everything is willing to try anything it just makes you want yeah. to like I told her after I got when the interview was over I said I'm gonna go out and paint some houses I don't know why yeah. just <laughs> I was just so inspired. You just want to give her a big hug and get some of that energy from her, you know? Yeah, yeah. She yeah. is very she's so cool. She's yeah. So cool. Well, and I just found out that my my dad and my mom grew up with her parents. Oh really? Wow. I just found this out. Just a big small world. Like mm. she was cracking, she's sending me this message. She sent me a picture of my dad in church with her dad. And I'm like, what is this? Like, <laughs> how is that even possible? You know? <laughs> But creative just, world is, I mean, the world in general is very small, but the creative world is even smaller. So many people yeah. I run into, it's like, oh, wait, you're friends with this person. And like, I, we've, oh, wait, you know him. And it's so funny. Like, it's sort of like the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? <laughs> Where everybody knows everybody from something else. And six just, degrees of Rich and Weebo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play it. I love it. Hey, can I get you autograph, John? Sure. <laughs> I don't like autographs. I just want a picture. I don't like autographs. <laughs> I think a picture with people. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, if you look at my Facebook page, well, everybody laughs at me. They're like, Rich, how come you're killing all these celebrities? Because every time a celebrity I meet dies, I put the picture up of me. Oh, you put their picture. You've met so many. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's funny. Don't ever because... post a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually worked with one of your, your one of your creations before I even knew who you were. Um, I, I do oh, a show yeah. called Nerd Talk in New Haven with... Um, Kurt Boucher and Lana Peck, and, yeah. and they have a puppet the, named George. And, and I didn't find out, yes, and she does a great job. I don't know if she did you ever work with her? Uh, yes, but um, 
unrelated, we did a, um, a live show. I was cast in a live show in Torrington of uh, Revenge of the Space Pandas. It's a Dave Mamet play, and they normally do it with guys in panda suits, but they want to do it with puppets instead. So I built all the puppets and then got roped into playing. There's a sheep. I got roped into puppeteering. The <laughs> Keith Paul is a really good friend of mine. He used to run, he still runs the Soldier Theater Club. They used to have a venue in Torrington. They don't anymore, but um, he uh, he was doing it and Lana was in it too. And I want to say she was one of the pandas. She was one of the pandas. Um, we didn't really work that closely together. Uh, the sheep was, like, there was, it was, it's such a weird show. It's such a great show. It's such a weird show. It was a live reading. So we all kind of sat in chairs and did the reading with the puppets. And it was a lot of fun, but that's the only time I've ever really worked with her. Um, I know there's a video of it somewhere, maybe. maybe. Um, but yeah, I didn't train her or anything. I remember like the puppeteers that came in were myself and this guy, Nick, who worked with Elmwood and then Lana. And Keith himself, he puppeteered a little bit too. So, but Lana already had kind of a hang of it. So there was no reason to, you know, she had it. You know, she could do it. Oh, yeah. so. She's, she is hilarious. Cool. It's cool. Really cool we, people. Her and Kurt are both really cool people. Yeah. And they, they actually bought that. Was it an auction? Um, I have an Etsy page to sell puppets, like for Elmwood Productions. We do commissions and things like that. I do it through Etsy and Kurt bought it. I had a bunch of older puppets I was unloading just to get some money to, for the budget for head actually. Mm. And uh, and Kurt bought that one. I think it was super cheap too. Like I'm, I'm like, I, if I was to put the, that exact puppet on Etsy now, I would not sell it for that cheap. <laughs> not a great puppet. I'm not gonna lie, it's a good puppet. Not not like full blown pro quality, but I think he got it for like twenty five bucks or something. <laughs> how much? How much for the Bruce puppet? Uh, the, if honestly, God, if I was to sell the Bruce puppet as new, like if that wasn't, if it was you, will, if it was, that's a, that's a that's a. No matter what, that's like a two thousand dollar puppet, you know. Yeah, it's a piece of art. People forget that, you know. Puppets are art. But uh, I know Mike kept Bruce when the show was done. I know he's somewhere in a bin because we're doing some photos with him recently. But it's Mike's puppet; he can keep it. So whatever he wants to do with it, you could you could offer it. Maybe he'll buy. It. Maybe he'll sell it to you. He'll probably <laughs> yeah. six pack of beer. Cards. Yeah, six pack of beer. He'll call it a day. You know? I, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Bruce comes any... back though, so you know we're gonna need a new Bruce. Right? Are there any puppets that you haven't made of characters such, such as Bruce Campbell that you're thinking of in the for future movies? We're doing Reggie. Reggie Bannister is gonna be a puppet for one of the head sequels, like a, a likeness of him. You know, we're yeah. not. We don't go ask permission, so it can't be exactly that person. But we'd like to do inspired by. Uh, yeah. So we're doing one of him. Um, uh, Karen Allen, the actress, yes. for her, the basis for a, a character, a, a younger Karen Allen. Um, based on advice, actress Karen Allen? Yeah, around that era, pre Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Raiders, you know, and, yeah. Raiders. and then um, we made one that we haven't really used yet for anything. Just, I made this puppet and it looked like her, so I made it more like her. Um, singer named Shirley Manson from the band Garbage. Oh, yeah. Yep, I know who she is. We made a puppet that kind of looks like her. And that was just because I started doing it. I'm like, wow, it looks kind of like her. Let's just do that. You know, my buddy Tricky has got this huge crush on her, too. So, of course, I made this puppet and would tease him with it. <laughs> um, you know, so, no, but what I was going to say, what's funny is I was thinking of that last scene of Invasion of the Bias Snatchers, the 78 version, with Donald Sutherland. I said, that would be a great puppet, but Dr. Mike already looks like that. <laughs> Yeah. Dr. Mike does kind of look like Donald Sutherland, yeah. In real movie, movie too. The real yeah. guy kind of has that look, too. Oh, yeah. I, I know. He, he's a great guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know the doc. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Yep. I used to, he, he used to work at this bookstore I went to all the time. And I, it was funny because he would do the same thing. He would have all this advice for people. and people. Oh, yeah. Would, that's how I met him. Yeah. 
we worked at Borders together. Uh, yep. for, I was there for five years with him and uh, off and on for five years. So I moved to Florida and back during that time. But, and he was literally like our doctor. He, you know, he would give <laughs> younger guys. He would sit us down and give us advice about life. He'd seen a lot. He'd been through a lot. Sweet, great guy. You yeah. know, um, I still look to him for advice sometimes. You know, he's just that kind of guy. You know, adore him. <laughs> Do you ever think of doing the tall man from Phantasm? Something it's simple. because like I could make if somebody wanted me to make a puppet of him, like commission it or something, I'd probably do it. But I, I yeah. don't know how I can make a puppet of Angus Scrimp. Yeah, exactly. Like that, because he's a character in and of himself, just the way he looks. But I wouldn't want to do like a tall man puppet. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, no, Angus Scrimp puppet, absolutely. Because his face is so unique and expressive. But a tall man himself, no. Just because unless unless they wanted to make a phantasm puppet movie. Yeah, that would actually be a good really like, needs to reach out, man. Let's Phantasm Six <laughs> puppets. Let's do it. I'll, I'll see. I'll see if I can reach out to uh, Gigi Bannister, see if she can there get go. in touch with him. She'll put the money up for it. All right. <laughs> what about you, Evo? Who would you like to see as a puppet? Oh, uh, Rich Sears. Rich Sears. <laughs> there you go. Weebo Weebo and Rich's puppets. <laughs> on, um, I'm working on a Prince puppet. Just oh. for myself. I'm a huge Prince fan. I'm working on one of Prince just for myself. Oh. Are you, what are you going to do with that? Just Are you going to like do um, music videos with it? Nah, just for myself, just for my collection, you know, like, because um, I wouldn't want to do like a copyrighted song music video without permission. Oh, yeah. Just doing it for like, sometimes you got to make, when you're making art, any artist knows you write a song, you don't always release it. Sometimes it's just for you, you know, or you're making, you know, you make a painting, it might not be for the public consumption, mm -hmm. sketch or drawing. So, I mean, I'll put, I'll put photos of it out there. Maybe I'll do like a fun little video of it doing something. Maybe it's in the background of something, but it's just for me to do. Somebody might want to buy it. What was that? Somebody might want to buy it. Somebody might want to buy it too at some point. Yeah, I wouldn't be offended to sell it if, unless somebody get really attached to it, which I usually don't. But <laughs> uh, we have an Axl Rose puppet somewhere. Yeah. Well, there's um, every, if anybody watches the show Real Talk, that's R E E L for movies. Real yes, talk. Real. We always go back to one filmmaker, and that's Kevin Smith. Did you ever think Kevin of a Kevin Smith? Smith? Yes. I, I, he's I, I thought about making a Jane Silent Bob puppet at one point just to do it because I'm a yeah. huge Kevin Smith fan too. But I've seen so many people do it now that it's like, nah, yeah. nah, nah, I don't need to do it. Maybe, maybe someday, maybe not. I've seen so many people do it, and some good puppet makers do it. Just they're just doing it for themselves too. I'd almost rather make like you know. Uh, Brody, yes, Morris, Morris, yep, Brody and TS. That'd be more fun, I think, just because it's different. No one, no one thinks about those guys. You know? well, what I love about that movie that came out in 1995, and long before comic books were really the the in thing like Mainstream, they are now. Like, yeah. And I love it. I mean, that's like one of Stan Lee's first movies. That he, I mean, maybe it wasn't his first movie, but that's when nobody else would put him in a movie. Now he was all you know, please. Then he was in every movie, yeah. yeah. I, I love the fact that he lived long enough to see his creations make it to the big screen. Go That's, full circle like that. Yes, yeah, exactly. So even if I'm not really into all the <coughs> um, act, the um, superhero movies anymore, I'm just so superheroed out. I still love the fact that you know there is an audience for it, and Stanley got to see his yeah. creations, and that 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 sort of makes me happy about those movies. Because for mm. me, I think Deadpool is really the only one I like now, just because it's making fun of how serious the other ones take themselves. But anyway, I haven't seen a Marvel movie in the theaters since the first Iron Man. Yeah. I haven't seen a Marvel movie at all since the first Avengers film. 
And it's just, it's not that I don't, I love Marvel comics. Marvel was my thing, was my, I love them growing up and all that. But by the time the movies were all getting bigger and bigger, I just lost interest. You know, I know how it's going to end. Exactly. You're going to get like five or six superheroes. They all have big egos. They're all very sarcastic. And then in the end, they kill the bad guy. Or and one of them dies. Yeah. 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 And if they don't win, they're going to win the beginning of part two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I just, I mean, I love film series. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's not, but it's just, yeah. And maybe one day I'll wake up like, I have to watch all these. It might just hit me and it'll be like two weeks of my life where I sit and watch all these movies. But right now it hasn't happened. <laughs> and, then you, and then a month I later, did like, like which, Captain America. I did yeah. like the Avengers. I just didn't, when the more came out, I missed the boat on them. I just never went back. The one, the one I like the best, I think, is Logan, which is the Wolverine, but it's not really Wolverine. It's the origin. But it's also not, it's not the same Marvel universe, though. Too. It's a different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. But it's like I liked Logan a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I just brought that movie up because of all all the superhero movies. That was really because it was more of a character study, similar to uh, the Joker. I, I personally yeah, like Joker was really good. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think he did a phenomenal job. I mean, it's he funny because I always talk about, like I said, I think that. Chad Nicholson was the great, you know, TV, Burt Ward, Adam West type Joker. Then uh, Heath Ledger was more of the uh, maniacal, crazy Joker. And Heath Ledger was more of the uh, tortured soul character development Joker. They all yeah. were three different types, but they were all three great roles. What I really liked about the new Joker film, too, was the, how they still, because I thought when they said, oh, we're making a Joker movie, but it has nothing to do with Batman. They were just taking the, the idea of the Joker and making a different movie. And I read that. I'm like, oh, that'll be cool. I'd be curious to see they do with that. So I had no idea going in that they were going to tie it into Batman. So, you know, yeah. and Wayne is there and, and you meet Bruce Wayne as a kid. It's like, oh, I did not see that coming. Because I thought they were going to be so far removed. Yeah. And then what took place in Gotham. I'm like, well, of course it takes place in Gotham, you know. But then you find out that, you know, maybe they're half brothers and all that. Like, I hope I'm not spoiling anything to anybody, but you know, like, like, oh, but I just didn't see that coming. I was really impressed by that because they still managed to tie it into not the DC universe of movies, but make so that the world of DC comics. And I was like, cool. Speaking of Batman, you're the one who showed me the new trailer. And I know it got, he had COVID, the one who's playing Batman now, but so they're, they put it on hold for a little bit. And there's, I think it comes on next year now or yeah. yeah. But that the trailer looks great. I I would never yeah. ever picture him as Batman, but from what I saw in the trailer, I'm definitely intrigued to watch it. Those are the best Batman, the guy you least expect, because Bruce Wayne is the guy you least expect to be Batman. That's why Michael Keaton is so good, because you'd never think Michael Keaton should be Batman. I liked him, and I know you like him as the best. I still he's like my Batman. favorite. Yeah, he's still my I, favorite. Yeah, I like Christian Bale. I think because I like those movies better. I did like the Tim Burton movie, and I thought that was a great movie. But I just love the uh, darkness of the yeah, Christian Bale. The, the the Nolan films are not comic book movies. Yeah. You know, uh, where Tim Burton's two movies are definitely comic book movies. Yeah, exactly. Nolan films are you know these these crime dramas that happen to have a guy in a bat suit. Yeah, <laughs> it and looks like good though because they don't they play it a completely different way. It looks like the from what I saw the trailer, the new one is going to be in more in that vein, a yeah. little bit darker and yeah. Not, not I'm excited. Time. I mean, I'll go see that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe you can make a superhero puppet. <laughs> we was funny. We keep saying that we want to do one of each, like hit each genre. With now that we did head, and we oh, you can do horror with puppets. You know, and we did comedy. We've done R-rated comedy. We've done family films. We want to do like a romantic comedy. We want to do an action film. We want to do, we want to, you know, we want to do, you know, 
one of each genre, even if it's not like a full length feature film, even if it's a short film, we want to kind of hit it all with puppets at some point, you know? I don't know how to write a romantic comedy, but somebody can, you know? <laughs> just but, watch uh, a couple, oh, just watch a week of General Hospital, you'll have a script in no time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. We did the sitcom thing though. We did Risley Brothers with a sitcom. We did this. We just didn't have a laugh track. Maybe we should have, but we, you know, that would be that's one of the goals for Elmwood is to try and do a little bit of everything, but with puppets, because puppetry is not a genre. It's a medium to tell a story. You know, it's so it's different. You know, like animation is not a genre. You can do action films, musicals, you know, romantic comedies. You know, look at what Disney does. They do a little bit of everything, or you know, every an anime. I mean, they do every genre, but with animation. I'd love to do that with puppetry too. Love to make puppetry be part of making puppetry that popular. Because right now puppetry is either kids shows or fantasy, you know. Mm. But or what we're doing because Elmwood's definitely doing something a little different. <laughs> How long does it usually take from the idea all the way to the finished product? So when you have an idea in your head, like all right, I want to write a horror movie. How long did head take? We'll use that as head took idea. from from. The original idea of doing a horror movie to putting head out was nine years. Uh, the reality, though, from when I wrote the script and then we sat on it. So when we finally decided, so we'll say if we take the, the, the month it took me to write the first draft, if we take that, take all that time that we didn't do anything with it out. And then to the when we decided to actually do it, it was a year. Okay. Decided in the end of 2013, I feel like it was the end of 2013 that Head is gonna be our next project. It was we had wrapped up Steve the Vampire, we had wrapped up a few other things, and we had nothing on the plate. And it was like, now what? And Mike was like, What about that horror movie? I was like, Yeah, I guess we'll do that now. And we tried auditioning actors and all that. So from from like fall 2013 to March 2015, so like a little over a year it took us to get the movie done. And had we decided to do an act with puppets up front, we would have knocked six months off of that. So you work only, I'm um, thinking of the writing. Do you only write when inspired or can you just sit there? All right, I need. I want to write a script and we're going to get it done within the next two weeks. Or It depends. It, it's both. You know, I know when I get inspired, it's always better. Yeah. Um, but I also, sometimes when I sit down and start writing, I get inspired. You know, you get the, the words start coming and you're like, all right, this is back and rewrite immediately because you've got something finally kicked in, you know? So it had was one of those things where I came home from work and I was thinking about how we never made that other horror movie, how we, we canceled it because it wasn't coming together. And I knew we were getting some bad snow that weekend and I knew it'd be snowed in where I lived. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a pizza. I'm going to get a 12 pack and I'm going to start writing this horror movie tonight just for fun, just to get it out of my system. And as I said, I wrote the first draft really in three days, like most of it, you know, and it was like, you know, <laughs> I just love how every story starts with, I got a six pack of beer, a bottle of whiskey and a pizza. I'm ready. Yeah, right. yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, like there's certain, like, like when I'm writing, like I know when I'm writing, it's like I have a glass of water and a coffee usually. Yeah. Those are my main things when I'm writing. That just happened to be, it was a Friday night and I was off for the weekend. So I got the, the beer too, you know, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, I know. Like, I'm I'm a coffee fiend. I'm a caffeine guy more than that. It's me. I, whenever I write, I usually like, I like to go to a, I used to go to Barnes and Noble a lot, but then I knew too many people there, so they would start bothering me. So I had to go to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Oh, Rich, what are you doing? What are you doing? Let me talk to you." So then I started yeah. going to a place called Rebel Dog, and there's other places. Yeah. It's like going to a coffee house where nobody really bothers me. Get my big thing of tea and just start writing. Start writing, writing. Yeah. yeah. I even yeah, told I mean, Rebel Dog, I said, "I should give you at least a thank you because I wrote my whole book here." 
He's yeah, like, where's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should be a copy there or something. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I have my flow for writing though, for sure. Um, I'm the myself and Rick Corbo are the primary writers for Elmo Productions right now. Um, uh, yeah, just you know, coffee, water. As and as the night goes on, then I grab a beer. But again, I have a beer. But like, yeah, that's just kind of where I go with it. Yeah, yeah. it's almost like pre um, early Stephen King. <laughs> he doesn't remember his first three novels. <laughs> I don't really, it's funny, I don't really remember writing a lot of head. You know, not that I wasn't drunk, yeah. but because it, it came out so quick. It was just like, I remember the next morning, I remember the first night I started it, um, finally just crashing. I mean, like just, I was living alone too. And I remember just like two, three in the morning, finally just like, okay, go to bed. You know? <laughs> and then waking up and my computer was still on. I was like, so what did I do last night? <laughs> oh, how far did I get with this? Because I was dreaming about it. I remember that, but I didn't remember how much I wrote. Like, yeah. I love it. It's actually for one of my stories, something similar happened where I had a dream and it was so vivid. I, I hurry up, wrote it down before I forgot it, and then added that to the story because this was too good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, like Josh and Todd had a couple moments like that where because the, the the it was originally a short film and then we expanded it to a feature film and yeah, and there was you know I remember like when we were shooting it was while we were shooting I something hit me and I started writing a scene on the back of the script and we shot that scene that day you know this conversation that had to happen and it was so important that it was like oh my god we're shooting this next because we were location that it had to take place and it was the same but holy crap. You know, you every now and then it just hits you. It's like this is what was missing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the speaking of whatever, and, yeah. Speaking of stories, um, you and I were talking about this. Hopefully, it'll happen sometime soon. You're gonna take one. I wrote five stories. It's a book, yep. Confessions of a Fernet Mind. You're gonna take I one of my stories and turn it into a puppet movie. All right, there we yeah, go. Yeah, we're gonna make it into a Graveyard Gill short. Yeah, I love it. I personally think that um, the Ma Lincoln House Massacre would be the best one to do. It's more of a ghost then story. Let's do that one. Let's two, it's sort of not not like Josh and Todd, but there's two boys that go out on a ghost tour. They're making fun of, they're taking it not too seriously. They find out how serious it really is when they bring something back. I think it would be a I love easy, that probably, idea. Yeah, probably the easiest to film, but it's also perfect for the um, Elmwood Productions. What you do, that it's that genre. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, right? I'm, we're up for that because we're trying to do a few more graveyard deals before before within the next year. Like we want to do like three or four, just to keep them coming because they're they're fun to shoot too. Not everything is for a big project. Sometimes you just do it for you, you know, and then you put it out there and people like, like Christmas Wishes, like Jungle Man. Jungle Man is now an award-winning short film, and we did that as a joke. You know? See, sometimes that's the best thing when you're not even really taking it seriously, and, you're, and that's the ones that really catch on with the public. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this is great. And you're like, I was just having fun. I didn't even think anybody would care about this. When I was in junior high school, me and a couple of buddies made these stupid horror movies, like on videotape, you know, yeah. and... Uh, and they were parodies of like late night horror movies. You know, we had the commercial breaks and everything. <laughs> years later, I kept joking around about we should do, we should, I was saying for years, we should, we should remake that with puppets, like jokingly. Yeah. And my buddy Rich, uh, Rich Mislevis joined the team and he was part of some of those short films. And he's like, yeah, we should. And I'm like, all right, I'll write it. <laughs> I'll, just for fun, I'll write it. And then next thing that became our, that became our project for the second, the last quarter of 2018, we, mm built i mean and i didn't really build any new puppets for it but maybe one i think one we took a bunch of older puppets and changed them to be these characters which was nice so it was like all right we're not using these puppets anyways let's turn them into and then we and then we shot it in like two weekends and it was like 
when it was over, we're like, this came out way better than it should have. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So you're working on Bernice 2. Bernice 2. Talking about the, the two head sequels that you're going to be working on. You also maybe a Lincoln House Massacre from Confessions yeah, yeah. of Frenetic Mind. What else is in store for you in Elmwood Productions? We've got, uh, we're doing a second run of Animal Behavior episodes, a second series, another 13 of those that we're going to shoot uh, the second half of the summer when we wrap up Bernice 2. And then we have um, a guaranteed things we're going to be doing is a web, another web series. Uh, longer episodes, not your typical like Grizzly Brothers or Animal Behavior, but they're five to 10 minutes. These are like 20, 30 minute episodes, uh, a series called Defining Monsters, which is about a monster hunter, you know, and uh, they're, the team of monster hunters, like a duo, and their journeys in the underground world of what monsters are, and they they're they're having a moral dilemma in the process of hunting monsters. So it's kind of like they're, what is a monster in this day and age, you know? And instead of it just being, oh, we're hunting vampires in this episode, we take the concept of a vampire and mix it with some other modern folklore. So it's it's kind of taking two things and putting one into it to kind of. It's, it's, it's a cool concept and the stories are coming along. There's still a lot of writing to be done for it and it does tie into head, which is kind of cool. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. It reminds me of a show I used to watch in the seventies, the night stalker. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's um inspired by night stalker. It's inspired by X files. It's inspired by Buffy, the vampire slayer. It's definitely a creature of the week type thing. You know, um, but different. And what I like about it, there's a different humanity to it. That'll be cool. Well, that's what I like about you because um, I've had this conversation with so many people. There's really nothing completely original. Almost everything's been done. But when you could take something that was already been done, but put your own spin on it, then it's original. And I've yeah. seen I've seen your work, and you you I love animal behavior. I love Risley Brothers, and I had I mean I can go on and yeah, on. I always try to distill yeah. our our stuff down to like something that you can relate to. As far as I guess, yeah. oh, what's animal behavior? I'm like. If the Muppets made Looney Tunes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cause you know, because that's really it's that slapsticky thing, but with Muppet style puppets. Oh, what's how do you how do you explain Risley Brothers? Oh, it's it's um it's cheers, but with puppets. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. You try to bring it down to like just something that people can relate to, you know. What's head? Oh, head is this a B horror movie, you know. It's it's an old school B horror movie, you know, like just kind of bring it down to as simple as possible to explain it, you know, and then people go, oh, okay, you know, like you guys will have it's cheers with puppets, it's cheers. If the Muppets started cheers, you'd have Risley Brothers, you know? <laughs> I love it. Now, we mentioned Kevin Smith is a huge influence yeah. on you, and Kevin Smith is, and also I know you're a big Quentin Tarantino fan as well. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of fell off on him over the years, but I'm still a fan, yeah. I don't like I, uh, recent films as much, but... I can I can go back and forth with you. Maybe that could be a real talk episode about the Quentin yeah. Tarantino movies because I have a lot of opinions on that, and we'll save that for another show. Because there you go, there I, you and I. He I, hasn't I, made a bad movie. He has not made a bad movie. I'm just saying I, some of his newer films didn't get me as well as some. Some have though. Like I, once time in Hollywood, I adore that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, that well, that was a great movie. The reason I brought those two names up is because you like them, and those two are huge, and they're they love dialogue. Are you? A, yes. Are you a dialogue? Fan or dialogue person when you're writing your stories, or more is it more about the uh, the scene? You can like do you can say a whole lot without saying anything. Yeah, I want to because with puppets, 
you know, there's a lot of talking heads, obviously, you know, yeah. a, but I'd rather show than tell when possible. Exactly. Paying the look, but sometimes you have a character who gives the speech. You, know, you have to have that from time to time because there's a, a, a good comedy to it. There's drama to it, you know? Um, and I like talky. I mean, Kevin Smith, like I said, is so talky, but I also like a rhythm to it. You know, there's a lot of, like, everyone, right after Clerks came out and Pulp Fiction came out, they came out the same year. All these underground filmmakers, all these independent filmmakers were all trying to make that, those style of films where everyone was saying witty, quick dialogue and none of it was witty. It was just quick. You know, because yeah. these two guys can write witty, quick things, you know? Um, but all these other writers were trying it. Or at least we were trying to do these, like, these, like Pulp Fiction gangster films that went nowhere. And, like, and there was a ton of Kevin Smith clones, too. I mean, tons of them for a few years. And luckily, a lot of those filmmakers either got better or disappeared, you know? Well, similar to 1999 when Blair Witch Project came out. Everybody with a camcorder thought they were a filmmaker. Oh, my God. People still, it's still like that. I mean, every, it was great. You want to be a filmmaker? Get a video camera. Get some friends. Have a good story, though. You can be the worst actors in the world. Clerks, none of them are really tremendous actors. You know, they but they pulled it off because there was heart and a good story. And that's my problem. Like Blair Witch, they were great actors. That's why it went over so well. So yeah, anybody can be a filmmaker right now. You just have to have a video camera and some friends who want to do it with you. Uh, but make sure you have a good story to tell. Funny, speaking of that, I saw a movie last night with Mila Kunis and Glenn Close. Um, she, it's based on a true story where she's a heroin addict. And I saw the, um, her husband. I said, where do I know this guy from? And at the end, it said Josh Leonard. I said, aha. He's uh-huh. the one who played Josh yes. in Blair Witch. Yeah. So he's, he seems like he's the only actor that's still, the th- only out of the three still acting. I, well, I know like, some... What was her name? Heather? Heather. Heather Donahue. She doesn't act it much. I know she, yeah. I just, I watched an interview with like two or three years ago. She, she runs a pot farm. Oh, really? Yeah, she's yeah, probably making a lot yeah, more money with that, yeah. <laughs> She runs, a, like, illegal, like, she, but, but like, she yeah. kind of in that direction, and, and like, because it was a great interview with her, she wrote a book about it, and oh. she, was, she was, like, three years or four years removed from Blair Witch, and the best thing she was getting was, like, a sci-fi film, a sci-fi channel film, and, like, she's lost interest, so I'm like, all right, she should be calling, which is good. I think that we'll talk about that movie for a second, because I think that was sort of the right place at the right time. It's when the internet was just coming out and yep. people didn't, when they were, the way they promoted the film, it made it seem like it was real. And people were, I want to help find these kids. I want to <laughs> help you with this. So people weren't sure if it was real or not. I mean, now people look at it like, eh. I mean, I didn't fall for it. No, me neither. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, either, I saw the but, trailer and I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, there's no way, there's no way their families would let this movie be real. This was real footage. You know, the police would be sitting on this footage for 20 years. <laughs> well, they, I, then maybe there'd be a movie, you know, like you ever any real footage of that kind of stuff that not the witchcraft and all that, but anybody missing mm-hmm. person's footage goes on the news, not to the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's an I like the Italian horror movies too. Lucio Fulci, oh, Dario Argento. Um, I just watched Suspiria last week. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I haven't seen that in years. It's a great I couldn't movie. sleep and I was like, you know what? Click, you know. <laughs> But I can't I can't remember who the filmmaker was. I did meet him. He doesn't really speak that much English, but he made a movie called Cannibal Holocaust. And it's yeah. basically the same thing where they found the footage and the movie was so real. There's a scene in there where a woman's on a like I can't remember. She's impaled. Yeah. Yeah, impaled. Sorry. Yeah, like Vlad the Impaler. Someone someone said that she was impaled. And they had to go to court to prove that they didn't actually kill her. They didn't actually so kill her. Yeah. She came to court and they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, so that's when I saw because I saw that years before I saw Blair Witch, I'm like, or maybe like three, four years ago. So it wasn't that long, but I said, wait a minute, there's a lot of similarities. But it was I, I, I did like that genre well, but then it's just like you yeah. said, too many people came out trying to do the same thing and and tell people. I mean, like I was telling people all the time, if you want to be a filmmaker, like I said earlier, just get a camera and get some friends, make a movie. <laughs> you're not on YouTube, you're now a filmmaker. You know? <laughs> yep. And then just keep getting better. Like um, <laughs> Because we get people all the time come to Elmo Productions. Hey, I want to make a movie. Will you make my movie? And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> How about you make your movie and we can help you out? Like, I'll be happy to loan you a camera. I'll be happy to give you a boom mic and loan you a boom mic. I'll be happy to let you borrow some lighting. We'll even come and, you know, help you set up. Like, well, I'll be happy to help, but I'm not making your movie because I don't have time to make my own. Sometimes, you know, so... You, know, you have people trying to sell you their scripts? Unless, unless you're going to pay us to come help you make your movie, then I'm down. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, do you have everybody say, like, I'll sell you my script and you can make the movie for me or no? They yeah, but, but I write my own. We write so many of our own scripts. Why would I buy somebody else's script? Usually our ideas come organically from our group, and then we go and do it. Exactly. I've had, people, I've had a ton of people come to me and be like, oh, I have a movie script. You should make it. And, and usually my response is, well, what's your budget? <laughs> and then you never heard from them again. And then they're like, what do you mean? You're going to make, well, don't you want to make it? It's like, well, I haven't read it yet. One, two. Uh, if you want me to make it, either you're giving me the script or you're paying me to do it. And if you're giving me the script, that means I really want to make it, you know, like, so it's tough. And I'm not greedy, you know, but if, if, if somebody comes to me, that's a strange, especially a stranger, it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know you. Why would I want to just buy your movie off of you? I'm not Hollywood. We don't have that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> I pay a mortgage. You know, I pay bills. I put gas in my car. I'm not, you know. Yeah, not, yeah whiskey and a six-pack to buy. You can't yeah, be wasting. Yeah, money. that's, yeah. I'm not John Peters, you know. I'm not like these big Hollywood mobile type guys. I'm just, yeah. just a guy in Connecticut who makes puppet movies. <laughs> But like, but, but like going back to that, like when I remember when Steve the Vampire first like really hit and got out there and it was getting known, I would have people left and right, like a friends of friends type thing. Oh, you did that. I have this idea. Yeah, that's great. Write it, write it down. You know, write, I'm always saying write it down. You, write, you have an idea? Write it down. Telling me about it, I'm going to forget. You know, write it down. Get it to me if you want me to see it. And then when Head came out, people like people that we used to work with and things like that, when it hit, especially when it hit YouTube, not YouTube, when it hit Amazon and all that. The woodwork wanting, oh, well, I, I used to work with you before. I want to come back now. It's like, where were you the past five years when we were struggling? We're still struggling, but where were you then? You mm -hmm. put us off, and now, oh, you see that this movie's on Amazon, and we and if you to watch it, you get to pay $4, and now you want to come back. And it's like, I get about 0.8 cents of that $4. You know, Amazon doesn't exactly pay you well. <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating. It's like 0.8 cents. Yeah, it's similar for musicians with iTunes. Yeah, it's the same concept. It's the exact yeah. iTunes and Spotify. It's the same concept. So, like, I'm not saying it's a bad deal. It's not for us. It's not a bad deal. We wouldn't have it on Amazon otherwise. Uh, if we're paid to make the movie, it's a great deal. Yeah, um, we're not rich from Head, you know. Yeah. Well, hopefully, when Head Two and Head Three come out, people they already know. As one person said, "You're legit, man. You're legit." So we're legit. Yeah. <laughs> Part two and three come out. They'll say, you know what? I want. I want to put some invest some money into this. I mean, you've been there around twenty years. The artist show is legit. Exactly. <laughs> we're legit, man. But you've been you've been around twenty years, so obviously you're doing something right. We're we're doing it because we love it, and that's the yeah. key. Yeah. You know, like Mike. Like I said, my buddy Mike was here this morning. He plays. He played Bruce. He played. Yeah. Her. He played I, I know Mike. You know Mike. Big red beard, Mike. 
Yep. We were here this morning. We were talking about like he and we were. Talking, I was like, "You ready for twenty more?" And he's like, "Dude, as long as we're doing this, we're doing this. I love it. And it's not about the money. It's about having fun and creating things." So yeah. I think that unfortunately most people's motivation is to make a buck. And when they don't make a buck, the first couple of times like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. To yeah. me, and I don't make money doing any of these things I did. Like radio, TV, yeah. podcast. I just do it because I love meeting interesting people like yourself yeah. and other guests. And I just love having fun doing this. I'm not trying. I mean, believe me, like just like you, if success happens, I'm not going to stop and say, oh, no. I don't yeah. <laughs> but I don't we expect- make our Yeah, we make our money really off commercial work. You know, yeah. see an ad on TV with a puppet, it might have been awesome. That's how we made our money. You see, we'll do editing for other people. We'll do, you know, I've done, you know, instructional videos with puppets. I've done, you know, like that kind of thing. That's really where, where our, our money comes, the pocket money we get comes from, you know. And we've done Kickstarter. We've done two Kickstarters to finance product projects. So where can people get in touch with you if they want to have um, a commercial made with puppets? Uh, they can just go right to elmoproductions.com. We have a contact sheet there. It goes right to my email, which is john at elmoproductions.com as well. Um, and then we go from there. I mean, we we recently did a bunch of ads for Crawley's dealerships, the car dealership in Connecticut. Um, yep. so, you know, the, and that was, you know, their, their advertising company reached out to us and we built the puppet and, and they hired us to perform it, which is great. You know, we do that kind of stuff very often, which is good. Um, or we've edited other people's videos for, you know, like Ricky does a lot of that. So our bread and butter really isn't from our own movies. It's from commercial work, industrial work, which I don't really talk about in these interviews because it's not, you know, it's not my work, you know? Well, another way you can make money is by, I don't know if you're interested, but editing people's podcasts because you do such a phenomenal job. How can people get in touch <laughs> with you if they want their podcast to look as good as the oh, local Florida show? Same thing, just elmoproductions.com or my email, John at productions.com yeah if you're watching this for the first time check out claws corner check out real talk yeah. check out the past episodes he does a phenomenal job brings this from a seven and a half <laughs> to a 12 so and thank I'm not you but no, you do and thank ask you. weeble weeble can't stop raving about you <laughs> oh man very professional man i'm trying <laughs> trying <He's Yeah>. my... <laughs> so please trying. anybody watching this reach out to john Bristol, Elmwood productions you're not going to be disappointed he does nothing but thousand he puts nothing but thousand percent into everything he does so you won't be disappointed and then we appreciate Weibo and I appreciate all the things you've done for us and it's great having you on the show right? <laughs> are there awesome are there any anything that we didn't cover that you want to talk about so I'll say thank you thank you to not just you guys for having me tonight but to everyone who like watches the work that all of us do not just me but the two of you as well like thank you yeah. thank you to everyone for uh participating um because by watching you are participating you know you're you're there you're part of the communication you're part of the, the, the and i do appreciate appreciate all the feedback i do get a lot of feedback on this show and the other show and john i always try to relate a message to you whenever we get good positive yeah. feedback and uh so thank you very much as john said for watching and uh keep watching subscribe to the channel rich sierra youtube we will any last words good night <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Sweet dreams, gentlemen. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. All right. That wraps up the latest episode of Rich and Weevil present the Local Artist Show. A great thank you goes out to our guest, writer, producer, director, puppeteer, and the man that makes this show look so good, Mr. John Bristol. I would also like to thank you, the viewer, for tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. <laughs>
Bernice. 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 